This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 135. I'm Nick Howell. And wilder than any card Vince could draw from his oozy hot deck, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, <laughs> and welcome to the show this week. And uh, uh, what a show it's going to be, Nick. It's, it's going to be a very, a very wild show this week because we have to talk about what WWD, WWE's response to its flagging ratings... Uh, and how they hot-shotted this new wild card rule That's and how they, how they implemented that this week. We have to talk about that because that is definitely the big topic of discussion this week. Uh, there's a lot of other things to talk about, too, but that definitely will be the top of the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a, here's the thing. There was a lot of good stuff to like this week on WWE pro- programming, not to mention everywhere else in the world of, of professional wrestling. We, we had a good SmackDown Live tag team title match. We had in NXT, we had Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. We had uh, Mike Bennett uh, Kanellis versus Kira Tozawa over on 205 Live that I guarantee no one saw, but it was pay-per-view quality. Well, I think there were 10 people that saw it. Uh, probably, but it's, it, you know, there's the main chunk of the main roster of WWE, we, we've got to talk about that because WWE's response to what is this, this continuing downward trend of their ratings, uh, I can only think of the analogy of the boiling frog. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person who's made this analogy, but it is very apt. And that is you know, the idea that if you throw a frog into a pot of boiling water, it will jump out because it'll feel it's getting burnt. But if you slowly, slowly turn up the heat, it'll just boil itself because it just won't even realize all the ways that things are wrong. So, yeah, if you can, if you can kind of see how WWE is just sort of slowly letting itself boil and doesn't really know how to get the hell out of this pot at this point, that's kind of what we're seeing or what it seems like we're seeing. I really don't know if they, they, they could have a, have a better response. But, uh, but, Nick, before we really start talking about that, let's do a little housekeeping and we'll get into the meat of our show. 
Yeah, so as always, guys, head over to Facebook. Join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Uh, That is the hub of our operation and where all the shenaniganry takes place every single week. We've got Money in the Bank coming up. We're going to have live chats for that, watch party for the pre-show, but you got to be in the group to take advantage and hang out with all of the other fans of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Be sure you're in there. You can also follow us over at BWO Podcast on Twitter, YouTube at YouTube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure to hit that little notification bell as well because we are going live again very very soon i have figured out the technology (laughs) and of course if you want to get in and contribute to this show and make sure that we stay up and running constantly you can contribute at patreon.com slash bwo get into some of our awesome reward tiers to ask listener questions copies of the show notes Fancy bonus episodes every month exclusive to the $10 tier and all kinds of other stuff above and beyond that. But Ian, I don't think we even need to have a big news segment this week. We're going to play our own wild card and start off with Monday Night Raw. Well, as we've been saying, Nick, Raw started off with Vincent Kennedy McMahon himself coming out to the ring and uh, describe, basically saying, yeah, Roman's been saying he's going to come to Raw. I don't think he is. And, of course, as soon as he says that, Roman's music hits and out comes Roman Reigns. Of course, Roman's now supposedly, quote-unquote, a SmackDown live star. Uh, at least he's supposed to be now because of the superstar shakeup. But it's a big finger poke to the authorities' face. That he's coming out on Raw, I guess. Or at least that's what they were trying to put over. It's right. like, oh, oh, what a rebel. He's coming to Raw. And, of course, Roman says, I do what I want. Everything's my yard. You can't tell me what to do, Mr. Boss Man. Uh, yeah, so very much like trying to echo kind of a Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon kind of thing. And Vince even going like, oh, who do you think you are? So this then became... Uh, more SmackDown live stars invading. AJ Styles comes out. Kofi Kingston comes out. And uh, this Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan. Excuse me. AJ is already on Raw. Excuse me. Daniel Bryan came out and Kofi Kingston. Thank you. Um, and so we had three supposed SmackDown live stars on Raw. Everyone talking smack to each other. Roman talking smack to Vince. Kofi and Daniel Bryan talking. By the way, this is Daniel Bryan's return. This is the first time we've seen him since WrestleMania. Right. And his ex- explanation was he was off meditating on things, which is fine. I actually, I kind of dug this as his reintroduction. And I loved the way Kofi came out as kind of the conquering hero, even though Roman was put over to be a bigger deal than both of them. Whatever. It was still, it, it, it was nice. But what was weird was this was the point where Vince McMahon said, you know, I don't like the fact that you guys are all here on Raw, but... I'm going to institute what's called the wild card rule, and that is that at any given time, three members of the opposite brand can be, quote-unquote, invited to the other brand and show up over there. So this is basically, he's saying, hey, everybody, at any given time, we can, ha- we can negate the superstar shakeup and people can appear on the other brand. Uh, so let's, let's stop, because what happened on the show after this is kind of irrelevant to the to the actual issue at hand here, which is that Vincent, Vince McMahon goes, oh, we're going to do the wide car rule, wild car rule. I'm a genius. Huh? I'm a genius. I'm brilliant, aren't I? I'm a genius. At which point, the crowd just goes completely silent. You know, he, he literally says, we're going to have th- 
three members from Raw or three members from SmackDown will be allowed to invade the other brand on a weekly basis. It's called the wild card, card rule. Isn't it great? And the crowd goes, uh, what? Sure. Which was kind of <laughs> my reaction too, which was, wait, what? what? First of all, what is your purpose behind doing this? What what is the possible gain that you can have with this, and yeah. what is the end game here? What it what ultimately does this serve? Um, you know, not only in the short term but in the long term. What what's the point of this? You know, he's he's putting himself over as being a genius. Obviously, it's partially kayfabe, and and he's trying to work something here. But it was it was also, uh, I, I think, not entirely. He, he wasn't entirely being facetious or, or in kayfabe when he was saying, what a brilliant idea this is, how exciting, because they spent the entire rest of the night of Raw and all of SmackDown saying how exciting it was and how it was this crazy new thing that the brilliant Vince McMahon was doing, which was this wild card thing. So this isn't exactly, he's, he's not you know, taking the piss out of himself. I think he genuinely thinks this is a good idea. So Nick, why don't you tell me what your reaction to this was, your first initial reaction, your gut reaction, and why you think they did this? Uh, initial gut reaction was mixed. I'm like, okay, what you've been doing hasn't been working, so I'm a fan of, in the technology place, we call it fail fast. Try new shit. If it doesn't work, fail and move on. I'm a fan of that, so I wasn't initially, I didn't hate it. What I didn't enjoy was Vince McMahon himself. And I say that as someone who is a rabid fan of Mr. McMahon, the character from the Attitude Era sure. and his interactions on the show. So I, I'm seeing this kind of just old, senile geezer <laughs> that doesn't really know his shit anymore or doesn't know his part. And I'm going, oh, God, it's, it's nail-biting. It's like it's chalk, nails on a chalkboard bad. But I, I, I want to love it, but I just I can't get there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like seeing him on TV. I'm going to jump in really quickly and, and agree with you in that he used to be very hammy and you know, the character used to be very kind of over the top in a fun way. Yeah. And now it's a little uncomfortable. He's not hitting the dramatic notes that I think he thinks he's hitting. And he What's definitely the bouncing thing he does. And he, I, and I, he I don't know what of, that is. Yeah, well, I'm worried it's early onset something. But it's uh, but it does seem like he's derailing a lot of dramatic builds in these scenes. He's he's not quite there when it comes to the theatricality of it, just from a like a a, a theater a theater standpoint. Yeah. He's not pulling his weight. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I have a couple of hypotheses. Um, during the Attitude Era and during the late 90s and into the 2000s, there was an extreme focus not on individual brands but on superstars. And you saw those superstars transcend brands. They would be on both shows. The difference was it was on Mondays and Thursdays and at some point Fridays, right? So it was beginning of the week, end of the week, not one night after the other. So there's part of me that's going... Are they recognizing that it's about the superstars and they're focusing their attention on the superstars and having all of the big ones across on both brands? I don't know. Maybe. The other part of me is going, is this the preamble to you know, doing away with the brand split and having one kind of show, one WWE brand, the belts can move? Kind of something I thought they should do a long time ago anyway is have the belts be able to change shows that they're on, but because of the brand split, it's been tied to 
and you know the colors of the belts, the, the Fisher Price belts. It's been tied to the individual brands. So I, those are my two things, my takeaways from it. And it feels like he's experimenting. Well, it you, feels to it, me it like can be he's called hot shotting, yeah. but I think it's it might be experimenting. Well, yeah. that they're <laughs> I, they, they're more than kissing cousins. They're like French kissing cousins. They're <laughs> you know what I mean. Like they're they're <laughs> not too far apart from each other. Experimentation and and hot shotting are definitely in the same family because one is considered and one is just done on the spur of the moment. But either way, you're taking a chance. Well, here I feel like they're taking a chance, but ultimately it's. So we just went through two weeks or so of a superstar shakeup that was supposed to take one week, but they never explained what the parameters were or what the rules were or anything. It just kind of arbitrarily happened. And here all of a sudden, he introduces an explanation for things that are going to happen in his product to to be able, essentially, in my opinion, to explain why he will be able to take superstars over to other shows to goose ratings or to create some sort of unpredictability where he hasn't explained anything else. It's just, it's a back door, essentially. Hit that way that they can do whatever they want. Roman can appear on either show. Seth can appear on either show. Becky can appear on either show, which she already could because she's the, you know, she's the champ of both shows. So she actually has a real explanation. But he now can, can just manufacture people to be on either show because he's created this rule. It's, it's basically just a quick fix uh, for any kind of last minute creative things that they want to throw together. And they broke their own rules on both shows already. That's the crazy thing. They went ahead and started breaking this explanation and this rule within an hour of making it. And they broke it consistently the rest of the week. So even in doing this, they failed. And ultimately, the the big issue I think a lot of people are having with this, and there was a very negative reaction, not only at the moment during the show, but afterwards on social media and across the internet, a lot of people rolling their eyes and saying this is just ridiculous because essentially, you know, WWE has been hemorrhaging ratings at a rate faster than the rest of cable TV for the last 15 years or more uh, from their highs right around the turn of the millennium. And the fact that now at this point when they're at an all time low that they're essentially, you know, pie in the sky, hot shotting these things, as opposed to looking at the fundamental issues that are creating this, this very long slide, uh, is kind of like, you know, a dam that has been slowly leaking and is eroding, but instead of trying to restructure the dam and, and rebuild it, they're just putting their finger in, in one of the leakiest parts. And unfortunately that's not going to fix anything. And, and it's very apparent to anybody who's watched the show for a while, uh, you know, who's, who's kind of stepped a little bit outside of it, that that's the case, that yep. this, is, this is not a long-term fix. This is just a short-term goosing. And what's craziest about this is in this segment, they even kind of admitted, you know, Roman saying, oh, hey, Vince, remember back in December when you said you listened to the fans? Well, you haven't listened to them since, but I listened to them. Well, but, that, but you just admitted then in kayfabe that you lied back in December and that you're not really listening to the fans ever since but wait but you're going to now or something or I, I don't know it's it's this this strange to use their term bizarro world that that WWE creative and in particular Vince McMahon seem to be living in that they think that 
this kind of thing is going to help them in the long run. It's not creating more engaging characters. It's not creating more motivations for, to make us care about these characters. And it's not creating storylines that bring us along on a journey and make us want to care about the overall product more and want to sit through three hours of said product. All you're doing is creating a, a slight point of interest, but you're, you're not looking at the general problem, which is people can still just go on Reddit, YouTube, or whatever and see, oh, well, who showed up this week from SmackDown? Oh, okay, someone showed up. Cool. I, I, don't, still, I still don't need to watch the, it. You're increasing the distance between the top of the card and the mid card and that in too. my eyes. At, well, absolutely, because you're, you're, you're overexposing your top talent by, ha- as you said, having them on too many shows too much in the week and having more of your lower mid card talent not getting time and not getting interest because all you care about is your top talent. And that was evident on this show. As we go through it, yeah. that's going to be a recurring theme where you know, we've got these, these top-level feuds that you're putting on. And to be clear, the two big matches of this show were, were three of them and three of the people, three of the four people in them were SmackDown stars. They brought over people from SmackDown to have important matches instead of the rest of their Raw brand. Well, there's one thing we need to speculate on, and it's that a SmackDown show was canceled for Monday night in order to have the SmackDown superstars on Monday Night Raw. And there was some rumor mill speculation whether or not it's the actual reason that this was to goose ratings, as you put it. Yeah, or if the by house, having them or, quote, promote money in the bank. Or the house, the house show up. sales were just so miserable, they're like, screw it, let's just try and help the ratings on Raw. And to right. their credit, the, the, the ratings did go up, but not by much. They were against uh, Game 4 of the Western? Uh, what was it? It was Golden State Warriors. But they were against a, a big basketball game, and their numbers did go up. But incrementally, they were still the second lowest of all time this week. So it's not like it really made that big of a difference. Well, I judge it on that third hour, honestly. Like, who's still watching at the third hour? How big of a drop-off from first hour to third hour is there? That's the way I... Those are the metrics I... I'm not looking at, like, what the first hour numbers are anymore. But here's the thing. Here's what they gave us was that, you know, they gave us two WrestleMania rematches. So their big response was hey, we're going to do something crazy and we're going to allow Raw and SmackDown guys to, to, and women to come across brands. But here, to make it even more special for you, here's two matches that you've seen already. And by the way, the results will be the exact same as WrestleMania. Are you not entertained? Yeah, which is... Which, <laughs> that, and that's really the, that's the big issue we're looking at here is, is as much as you have this top-level promotion, you know... Hey, check this out, kids. Look what's in my hand. And then on the other side, you're still doing the exact same thing you've already you've always done. And this was endemic from top to bottom of the show. You had uh, Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns get booked into a match. You had Kofi and Daniel Bryan get booked into a rematch for the WWE title. And then AJ Styles came out and said, hey, what are you guys doing on Raw now that I'm here? Seth Rollins came out and got in his face. They ha- they got into each other's face, and Vince McMahon said, hey, I'm a genius. I'm going to make you guys tag together. And then we had a tag team match between Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and the you know flavor of the week top mid-carters, Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin, who never tagged together before when they couldn't find anybody else to put against top talent. Uh-uh. That's a, that's a, that's a fresh new match right there. And also... What's, what happens, Nick, I, two weeks ago, did I say this? 
AJ and Seth at some point would be tagging together because it was so long from Money in the Bank. Did I not say yeah. that? Did I not you say did. we're going to have at some point some? And here we are. We have a tag match between the two of them. What do you know? There's some miscommunication at the end. AJ ends up hitting Seth and then walks off. Seth's mad. It's, it's, that is about as cookie cutter, cut and paste as you could possibly get. And the only difference was the kind of fancy way they got into it by actually having Vince McMahon book it in the ring and having the two guys complain. That's literally the only difference from what we see every time. I want to talk about um, Roman being this kind of anti-authority figure yet again. Um, coming out and dealing... I mean, what we've seen so far with him coming over to SmackDown and him you know, Superman punching. It looked like hard way, if you ask me. There was a big red cherry on his chin. But since for the last few weeks, after the Superstar shakeup. Now we see him back on Raw, still coming out going, mm, yeah, I'm the big bad dog. It's the big dog. Why are we, you know, speaking of copy, copy and paste cookie cutter, why are we doing this again with Roman? We had so much momentum coming of him coming back from leukemia. We've just slipped backwards into the exact same shit we had all dealt with for two or three years. Yeah. I, it's funny because I've seen people online saying, "Hey, man, Kofi Kingston's champ, Becky's double champ, and Seth's champ. Are you guys? Why aren't you guys happy?" And my response to that is, "Are you watching the show? Because it's still all about Roman. And whenever they get the chance, Roman is the one front and center. You've got Daniel Bryan and Kofi staring each other down in this opening segment, and it's still all about Roman on SmackDown Live." There was a, uh, in, in, I don't even think Roman was actually present on that show. He wasn't even there on that show, but they had like a seven minute, like fluffing Roman's balls video package about his whole <laughs> journey from NXT to where he is now, including like the sad piano music during the leukemia section. And I was, just, I sat there throughout all of this going, oh my God, they are right back up on Roman's nuts again. This is, this nothing has changed we were just sitting there going oh isn't it nice to have roman in the mid card oh he is just he's taken a small vacation there as, yeah. as we as i've been predicting they will have that belt on roman by the time they're on fox i, I think he is still yeah, there he's still their guy don't you try to convince me that this is just a a brief interlude between roman roman's reigns as champion I'll take you first. I think the fans and the listeners need to hear a small musical interlude from Sir Ian Dangerous. If you, uh, <clears throat> if you wouldn't mind entertaining us as such. I'm so bored with Roman Reigns. It's true. I really am. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll repeat again. I, I'm all with you. He's going to carry that belt into Fox. And I've even said he'll take it at SummerSlam. I, so I, I, there's no way. We had a moment where it was like, oh, thank God Roman is interesting again. He, they're humanizing him. Uh, you know, I, I actually kind of like his character. I like what he's doing with it. But we're back to this relentless super push of the guy rewriting history and all the rest of it. And that grates on anyone who's watched the product for any length of time. Um, he's still actually a lot more over than he's ever been, largely due to the sympathy vote. But at the same time, we're right back here where Roman is the guy. And that's probably one of the main reasons why they created this wild card rule is so that Vince McMahon at any point could say, well, I want Roman on whatever show I want him on. He can be on both shows, even though, frankly, I can't. I, mean, I don't have all the metrics in front of me. I don't know what Vince is looking at, uh, besides a huge blotter tab of acid. But <laughs> uh, he, Roman, I don't think is is a convincing repeat draw. I don't think he's 
jacking your ratings up personally at all. That's the word I wanted to use. And if you the, the reference I was trying to make when we first started talking about this was that the, in the Attitude Era, you had Stone Cold, uh, The Rock, DX, the McMahons. But then you go down the card, you had Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho. You had tons of guys. You, even sure. down further, you had, you know, we dare not speak his name, but Chris Benoit. Uh, you know Eddie Guerrero. That's that's you know came, coming in later as they defected I, from WCW. I understand, but I don't remember many of their matches. I remember oh, all well. of the moments with Stone Cold, The Rock, and DX and the McMahons, what? and they were on that's, both shows all the time. That's your problem for not remembering their matches. But but that's I'm, my, I'm my, just trying to illustrate a point here that I that's where I'm going with this. Sure. I'm wondering if they're trying to recreate having those draw superstars. On both brands, there's certain to, to yes. goose those ratings, and and again they've been going back to the well as far as creative goes since then, trying to recreate moments. How many times have we seen, uh, you know, big spot moments, whether it's flipping cars or tearing things down, or uh, they've tried to recreate, you know, breaking the ring or the the beer truck, milk truck stuff. That's stuff that we we see come back over and over and over again. Like, oh my God, he's he's choke slammed him off the stage. That's they they go back to those to try to recreate those as opposed to finding new ones and they have found some new ones to their credit, but it's decreasing returns on such things. At a certain point, you have to do new things and and unfortunately that that's not what the wild card rule quote unquote is. It's not a new thing. It is an explanation for a a unnecessary explanation for an unnecessary uh, lack of creativity it, it, instead of actually creating vibrant storylines and characters that we can care about on each brand, they're creating an explanation for why they might have to just randomly break their own rules to bring people across brands, which are arbitrary to begin with because they write the whole thing. So they're basically yeah. having to write an explanation for their own poor writing. So anyway, it's crazy, but let's get, let's get into the actual show itself. As we said, we had a couple of WrestleMania rematches, uh, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Which I really was. Hey, it was a fine match. Both these guys work really well together, just like the WrestleMania match. But uh, as we were saying, kind of unnecessary. Didn't really need to see it. The only real purpose for it was after a long, drawn out match. At the very end, as Roman looks like he's got Drew beat, Shane McMahon runs in with Elias, who last I checked, both those guys were SmackDown superstars. And uh, which brings the total number, I believe, to five, Nick? Five SmackDown superstars? Uh, we're no, supposed no, to no. Three? It's the. It's it's three. The wild card rule is three, right? But that brings us to five, five total that we're already on the show at this point. Uh, uh, but Shane's a McMahon. He he can do whatever he wants, right? And Vince later said, "Well, Elias was with Shane, so it's okay." So <laughs> so they're already breaking their rules and having to explain it. Is my point? Which one is it, Vince? So, so Shane, of course, is still having some sort of uh, uh, feud with Roman, but he gets chased off by the Miz. And I thought what was one of the better segments of the night where Miz chases Shane off because he's also having a long-term feud with Shane. They have a cage match at Money in the Bank. He chases Shane off um, as Roman gets his bones picked by Drew. And we go to a really fun segment where, you know, they they tried something new, Nick. They genuinely tried something new where Shane hides from Miz in the back, in the aisles, and Miz runs past him as he's hiding. Meanwhile... (laughs) Was it Caleb Braxton? One of the interviewers. It was Charlie. It was Charlie Charlie Caruso. Caruso. With a full camera crew. (laughs) Catches Shane hiding and goes, Shane, what are your thoughts on The Miz having a grudge, this grudge against you? And Shane's like, are you kidding me? And tries to run away from her. 
And so there's this hilarious moment where this whole camera crew in an interview is chasing after Shane going, Shane, what are your thoughts? Shane, what are your thoughts? And meanwhile, this, this other camera is following the camera crew and all of this action, which, you know, a little bit defies explanation, but it's also, it's, it's fun and fine at this point because it, it kind of makes sense. And they got a really good shot from the top of this, you know, Shane runs down this flight of stairs and this camera stays on the top of this landing and watches as Shane runs to his limo and gets jumped by the Miz by his limo. And they actually have a pretty good looking street fight until Shane kicks Miz in the balls and the speeds away in his limo. This whole segment felt like something I hadn't seen before, and it was pretty fun. Yeah, I enjoyed this immensely. Yeah, I'm wondering because in, especially in contrast to having, you know, just watched a match I'd already seen before with a very similar outcome. You know, Roman looks like he's going to beat Drew again. So that, you know, here within one segment, we have something old and something new and to varying degrees of success. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'd never seen this before. Uh, an authority figure running to try and escape the show in their limo only to be caught by the person they were evading and having a fight outside the car and barely skating away by doing something shady like a lobe. I won't say I've never seen anything like that before, but the camera work. I, I grant you was fantastic that that high yeah. overshot. It was interesting. Yeah. something we haven't seen before, and that was yeah. and I like the fact that they were experimenting there. Or someone backstage, what whoever produced this segment was getting creative. So I liked that. Uh, less creative was the fact that we had Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston again, uh, and diminishing returns once more. Not as good as the WrestleMania match. Not as much at stake. Still a very very good match. But whereas the WrestleMania match, I would say, was you know an A A minus, this was a B B plus at best. It was yeah. fine. It's just you know once again, Kofi picks up the win, clean, clean as a whistle. Uh, do you think Kofi needed this double tap to establish himself as a champ? Like, did he feel last week we were saying he might feel like not like kind of like Kevin Owens was right, like he maybe he isn't deserving, he doesn't feel enough like a champ after years of being floating around with New Day. Did this make him feel more like more of a champ? No, but the more mic time they give him, the more I'm coming around. Um, I'll say that. So he had a he's had a he had a lot to do this week on the mic, and I, I I'm coming around a little bit. I had some harsh things to say last week. We both did. Um, I, there are some harsh things that are in my my fantasy booking for for the April bonus episode. Oh, that God. I, know, I know I'm late on guys. I know, but you know I'm coming around a little bit with Kofi on the mic. Do I think? I, you know, I think they blew their water to Elimination Chamber. The WrestleMania match was was okay. It was it was great. Oh, it was, you know, the seeing WrestleMania that moment, match was awesome. It was awesome. Yes, it was fantastic. But I like the Elimination Chamber one better myself. Well, be that's it was this more surprising. This was sure. completely unnecessary. Um, I especially we after seeing what we saw on SmackDown Live, um, and we'll get to that. But yeah, why? why why have all of these rematches period i i frankly can understand why they did the daniel bryan versus kofi rematch it did make sense as you said once we got to smackdown it made a lot more sense then that being said it's not going to drive your ratings up no you know what i mean like that's having a straight up rematch with no extra stipulations and no extra rationale for it other than to make other booking that you have later in the week make sense that's a bad reason to have a match and even though this was a fun match. And I, I agree with you. I think that Kofi was getting himself over more on the mic this week. His, his bit in the opening segment where he came out and he felt like a champion because of the way yep. he carried himself and the aggression that he had on the mic uh, when he was challenging Daniel Bryan, when he was standing at the Vince McMahon, he felt more like a guy who 
like he felt like the gritty underdog more. So yeah. it was I, built on hope, but now I'm start he's he's starting to believe it. Yes. And I, you can feel that. I'm I'm starting to see more of that dynamic difference between the comedy fun and the serious champ, which is yeah. something that we've been talking about since the beginning of the show as being something that you have to have. If you have in sports entertainment a guy who is fun and playful, you have to have specific points where he turns on the intensity and lets all of that go, and he needs to be able to deliver convincingly on both. And Kofi's getting much better at that. Uh, Someone who's really good at convincing me that he's a scary, bad man is Samoa Joe. And we we were confirmed on, on Raw this week that he and Rey Mysterio will have a rematch, a WrestleMania rematch as well, uh, for the U.S. title at Money in the Bank. Uh, so this was, this I feel was a squandered opportunity and maybe they're going to build more later and I'll eat my words, but we had Ray and his goofy son, Dominic backstage walking through the, the walking around and, and Ray saying it was, Oh, I loved last week when I beat Joe and it was even better when you put me on your shoulders, you gigantic man, boy, who's towering over your father <laughs> who can't possibly be my own, my own spawn. <laughs> Someone call Eddie. Uh, I love that Joe made reference to that this week, by the way. So anyway, Ray goes into his room and uh, Dominic walks off. And all of a sudden we realize that Samoa Joe is following Dominic. I immediately, when I saw this, I don't know about you, Nick. I was like, Samoa's going to kill Dominic. We're going to come back. He's going to have him in the clutch, man. No, he was just kind of berating him backstage and telling him to take a message to his dad that he's going to beat him. Eh. I felt that was a letdown. I feel like they should have had Joe take out Dominic. Do you feel like they're, they're going to do that in the coming weeks? Or was this, a, yes. this, was this a squandered opportunity? No, we've got two weeks to go. Do it. Yep. You guys listen. I know. You can hear us. Do it. Oh. Have him beat down Dominic or choke him out in the Kikina Clutch. Do it. It'll be worth it, I promise. Just all I'm asking is... Don't have Joe reference anything to do with Eddie being in hell. Please, just don't oh, do God, that. No. Don't do that again. We don't need to go there. Anyway. Do, uh, do, we, do we need a Latino heat street fight in the garage <laughs> with a lawnmower? <laughs> who says, yes. Who says WWE's racist? Anyway, oh. we, had, uh, we had Seth and AJ, as we said, teaming up against Corbin and Lashley. As we said, that was just a, another predictable match. At a certain point, AJ accidentally, accidentally hits Seth and then wanders off. Seth gets beaten by Corbin, uh, who still has a massive amounts of go-away heat and will probably have even more go-away heat when he comes out and gloats that he has pinned the champ. Uh, can you imagine how insufferable he's going to be? Uh, I, just, I, I completely forgot Lashley was even in this match. That's yeah. how bland he is without Leo Rush. You know it's what's crazy. gotten me uh, around? On, I'm, I'm starting to come around on Corbin again. Because um, after the whole... <laughs> you, con- flip, I, you flip more than Big Show for Corbin, man. Oh, it's because I watch WWE. Damn it. Uh, no, the, I love the Constable Corbin character. And then afterwards with the beat down and everything after the rumble and with by the authority and all that, that dismissal, he kind of took one on the chin for everybody else, for Kurt. Horrible. Uh, but this where he's getting me is he's coming out and as soon as the booze erupt... He just breaks out into that big smile and then flaps his hands at him as to, as if to dismiss him. That's what's really getting me. He's been doing uh, that for just, a while, but it's just... I know, and I haven't noticed it, but yeah. I'm starting to notice it now, and it's fantastic. His his just arrogant dismissal is like art. <laughs> Unfortunately, like it can read as just not caring and not giving a crap, and that can create this feeling of, well, I don't care about you either from the crowd. 
Right. So it is a tightrope. And unfortunately, I think he usually comes down more on the side of everyone just wants him to go away. Um, and and it's, his booking is not helping him here. No. I mean, being in this match, that, what, that didn't help. But uh, Has anybody had a good run with Bobby Lashley since he's been back? I'm just saying. I, 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 I'm stumped. Um, you know who is having a good run right now is Lacey Evans. She's actually, she's yeah. been, now that she's no longer just coming out and catwalking every freaking week, she's actually doing things. I'm liking what they're doing with her. And she actually had one of the better, like, like okay, you want to talk about building character? Having Lacey Evans send peach cobbler scented invitations, handwritten invitations to all of the other women on the Raw roster to come watch her squash a jobber. That's good character building right there. And, and that's what she did. You had all the women on the, in the Raw roster, Natalia and Dana Brooke and Naomi. They all got little letters from Lacey. Come watch my match. And Lacey had a match with, uh, let me get her name here, Ali Katrina, okay, who she promptly destroyed. And then went and told everyone on the Raw roster, that's right, y'all nasties. You don't know what a real woman. I want y'all to see what a real woman looked like. Great stuff. That's that to me is fun character building. Um, and I liked what came next, which was Becky Lynch coming out of nowhere, walking straight to the ring, and proceeding to just get into a brawl with Lacey. I I this like, is fun. I like the, like when when the Becky and Lacey thing or the Miz and Shane where they hate each other so much they can't even see each other without having to fight. I like that. That brings an intensity to a feud. And this was a great way of building the Becky and Lacey feud without having to have more than a little bit of a brawl between them. Yeah, and Peach Cobbler's always nice. We defined the Lacey Evans character more. We defined how she treats the rest of the Raw women's roster. They didn't look bad. They, they, they were holding up their own. They didn't, they didn't look bad in this segment. They were just kind of there, but they didn't look bad. But then Becky comes out. We've established that Becky and Lacey hate each other. You did everything that you needed to do, and you did it in a creative way. That was good ask, stuff. I'll, I'll ask the same question that we did last week. Now that we've seen this week, we, we had three weeks to go and we asked last week, did they have enough gas in the tank or enough room or enough things to do over the course of three weeks of TV to, before we get to the match at money in the bank. And if, if this week is any indication, yeah, but that's, but that's because this was a creative way to fill time. You've, yeah. you've built a system where you have to fill time to get to the big matches at pay-per-views and you're, repeating yourself too much like with the with the Seth and AJ match you're repeating yourself too much with some of your booking so finding new creative ways to fill that time that you've created for yourself if you have to do it that way and you have to find these ways to fill time you've got to be creative with it this was an example of that at least they were feeling that now you know you can say people can argue and discuss whether it was a successful creative endeavor that they, you know, it, it, I think some people would be like, it was cheesy. It was corny. The acting was bad. It didn't make a whole lot of logical sense, but at the end of the day, at least they were trying something new here. And that, that's what I liked about this segment. Yeah. Um, next, next up we had Sammy Zayn. Um, I wanted to talk about this one because last week I made a statement that he needs a feud. He needs to do something. This is going to start getting a little bit stale. And I, uh, if the crowd was any indication this week, I don't want to blame all of it on Cincinnati, but yeah, this is starting to dry up a little bit. Yeah, his his rants, and I think that they knew that too because of what happened with this. He, he got about halfway through his rant. Braun Strowman came out, stared him down, chased him to the back. Sami Zayn started throwing everything he could find at Braun to stop him. It didn't work. Braun picked him up, hucked him in a trash bin. Where have we seen that before? <coughs> Kalisto. 
and uh, the trash bin was probably Con- conveniently named Apple Valley Wrestling as well. I thought that was a nice touch. Coincidence, maybe, but AVW that, that's that's kind of close. That's I had not noticed that. I hadn't put that together. I wonder. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so Apple Valley waste. Apple, I'm Valley, sorry, waste. Apple Valley waste. Yes, yes. I, I wonder about that. Uh, but then that uh, that bin was promptly dumped into a dump truck. Now, if this segment had just been all we saw of Sammy this week, I think I would have been very concerned. But we did see Sammy again this week uh, at the top of the card. So I really have no complaints about that aspect of it, other than it, it still feels like they're punishing him for something. But uh, definitely his his rants have reached the point where the crowd just tunes out. In a show that we've already said is three hours long, and they're struggling to engage people, having a segment where he's deliberately trying to disengage people has a very short shelf life. And unfortunately, I agree with you. I think he's already reached it. Yep. Um, the only question is, is this some sort of burial of him? Was, was Braun throwing him in the dumpster uh, intentional to kind of get him to stop doing that? You know, an equivalent of some sort of blow-off that, where he's not going to do that anymore because later we saw him in a match, well, in SmackDown, the WWE champion on well, SmackDown. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's yes, what I'm saying. The next day, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Is had this been all we saw this week, I would have worried because that murdered Kalisto's main roster push. Yeah, or time was when Braun threw him in the trash can, and so you know, I I immediately so it's become symbolism. That. <laughs> well, that's the problem. Is I I I wondered. I'm like, oh God, is this their way of of destroying Sami Zayn? The fact that he had more to do in the week made me feel better about it, but it, it was still yeah. it was still very worrisome. Um, also worrisome. Speaking of worrisome, Lars Sullivan. Oh, he had a week, didn't he? Um, so Lars came out. No way. Jose was on raw for the first time in ever. And, uh, he and his conga line came out to the ring and were promptly all murdered by Lars Sullivan to no reaction at all from that crowd. Nick, that crowd just and didn't I, and care. I don't know whether it was because of Lars Sullivan or because of the conga line. Yeah, I, I didn't even see any reaction for for No Way Jose, and I, there were like the handful of people that were on the rail Does, I mean, doing the No Way Jose. Duh, duh. But then you know, even with that, they weren't even up to have someone as monstrous as Lars come out and murder the entire conga line before getting in there and doing the same to No Way. I I'm just. Yeah, this whole thing's dead. Like, what happened? Well, to be clear, and and for the, our listeners who do actually go to these live shows, I haven't been to an actual Raw or SmackDown in a long, long time, unfortunately. But um, just it, it's too expensive for what I get, frankly. Um, but for those of you guys who have actually been to these live shows, please weigh in. When was the last time the crowd really got into dancing with the conga line or with Adam Rose's Rosebuds? Because this has been something they've been doing this for years and years and years. This stupid dancing segment, thinking that the audience is suddenly going to start. Well, we're all going to have a big party. No, you get like a small fragment of the audience, all kind of like, okay, this is fun, and the rest of them are like, oh god, let it end. What's next? The kiss cam, like you get at a basketball or a hockey game. I'm. It would make it feel more like a sporting event. Yeah, you know, which I, I, I having a little bit more of that in WWE. You don't have to go all the way to like New Japan levels of making it feel like a sporting event to to just bring it like an air of gravity to it. And I think well, I think that was the spirit that. of the of the seven second dance break that seemed to get over pretty pretty well. Well, at least it was only uh, seven and- goddamn seconds. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't have 10 minutes of a conga line. No. And then afterwards, you'd actually have some some funny bits from uh, from our truth. 
Like it was, it was surrounded by some other funny stuff as well. It wasn't just laid out to dry by itself. But anyway, we, we digress. The real issue here is Lars Sullivan. Now, obviously, uh, back in, now in the news segment later on in the show, we'll talk more about some of the hot water he's been getting in as more and more people find out about those uh, posts he made on the bodybuilding forums years and years ago that we were, we reported that on the show when it first came out, but it's now getting much more mainstream attention. But we'll talk about that in the news segment. Basically, Lars is not, uh, he's not the most popular guy backstage uh, with, the, uh, with the talent or with a lot of the fans right now. But uh, he then had a segment afterwards where he came back and Vince McMahon was on the phone trying to explain why Elias and Shane were on the show when he only allowed three people. And Lars just stared at him and McMahon said, uh, I, I mean, four people. Four people are allowed on the show. Uh, so already... Due to Lars Sullivan staring down McMahon, now we're not even sure if it's three or four people, if that, if that rule stands. Or five. Or five or six. Because there were six. Lars makes six, by my count, if we count Elias and Shane. <sighs> so, and, and there was you know, more than three on SmackDown. There were more than four on SmackDown. There was five people came over on SmackDown. So they broke their rules twice this week. So anyway, Lars Sullivan, we'll get back to him later on in the show. I want to talk about Ricochet and Robert Roode. Nick, you're finally getting what you wanted. Dick heel in a suit, Bobby Roode. <laughs> Robert Roode, excuse me. Robert, yeah. Robert Roode with the... With the with a magnificent, glorious mustache, mm, That Tom Selleck, Burt Reynolds, gorgeous face caterpillar he is sporting now. It is something else. Everyone's obsessed with it, but unfortunately, uh, a mustache doth not a wrestler make and he was beaten pretty handily by ricochet this week because you know ricochet had to get his win back from last week the only thing i good i can say about this was at least it where there were stakes right this was for ricochet's opportunity in the money in the bank match and if he lost then bobby Roode would get that spot so where did this come about? Did, was it a chat? Because this wasn't on the Hulu edition. No, it wasn't. So it wasn't. Did, uh, where did the stakes come from? That's the problem is if you look at it, it had no ultimate meaning because Ricochet won. They had Bobby Roode pick up the win last week so that this week Ricochet could win and they would stay even. The 50-50 booking would continue and we wouldn't have any meaningful wins or losses. The only thing was is that this week there was something on the line, but nothing changed at the end of this match because Ricochet retained his money in the bank uh, spot and Bobby Roode lost and it was a six, like a five or six minute match it was short as hell so it didn't yeah it was I, I it's the to me it's the worst kind of 50 50 booking where you have Bobby Roode get over for a week and then Ricochet ultimately wins and neither one of them is better off and they're both in the same exact place great so I mean it's great. right 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 idea wrong execution uh, speaking of right, right idea, wrong execution. Remember how there was a time when if you beat the champs, you became the, uh, the champions. Well, for, for the number one contenders sure, for their belts, something. Well, the, uh, Viking war Raider experience machine, whatever they're called. They had a match <laughs> with Hawkins and Ryder this week. Who are the champs? Right. Beat the crap out of them, beat them. And it didn't mean anything. Non-title. I just like I, yeah, but aren't they next in line if they beat the champs? I I suppose they will have a match at Money in the Bank. It hasn't been officially announced yet. But you know, here's the problem: is as soon as the Viking War Raider Experience Machine become champs, then they're going to lose every one of their matches because that's apparently what you do when you're a champ. God, you know, unless unless you're in a title match, you're going to lose. Seth Rollins lost this week. Kofi had a title match; he won. 
you know, it's it's it, the, uh, the Iconics. They they won at WrestleMania and they've been losing every single match ever since. It's mind boggling to me. Yeah, I don't get it either. So, um, also speaking of the tag division, this is this one hurts. This one hurts. The Usos are continuing to prank the Revival. This week, the Revival had a match against the Good Brothers, but the match never got underway because the Usos had slipped some uh, quote-unquote Usi hot into the, uh, what was it, tanning cream? I don't even, I don't remember what the hell it was supposed to be, but basically, they tricked the Revival into rubbing it all over their bodies, and it's sweat activated, so all of a sudden, in the middle of what was supposed to be a match, you have the Revival screaming and rolling around the mat, Dash Wilder scooting his butt along the mat to try and get it out from his crotch. Basically, just once again, the Revival were humiliated on TV. Now, Nick, uh, I, I'm going to quickly preface this question by saying there is a long history of, of shit heels being humiliated and that being a trope, and that's fine. But do you think that this is some sort of vindictive booking? And if so, do you think this will ultimately lead to the Revival throwing up their hands and leaving uh, or do they think they'll stick it out until they finally get some respect, if that's ever going to come? I don't think they're ever going to get the respect they want. Uh, the fact that they turned down half a million dollar contracts each, as we reported last week, uh, is indicative of the fact that I think they're all, they got one foot out the door and they're just waiting until they can leave. They, they've got to be itching to get over to AEW. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, um, this kind of... You know, this is the juvenile shit we're all used to with Vince McMahon. Uh, I don't think that this is something that the Usos would have done on their own. And, and I, I, I just I don't understand how this even got done in the first place. Unless there's some 12-year-old in the writing and go, you know what would be cool? It would make them like, let's put Icy Hot in their jock straps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't realize the, the Uso penitentiary was actually juvenile hall. Right. And that's, that's kind of my issue here. Is I, I, Here's the thing. I, in... Theory, I have no problem with juvenile humor or with silly stuff on on the program. I don't. And and frankly, at the end of the day, like, yes, this was the Usos getting a, a silly joke over on the revival. I'm looking at it more in the big picture of the revival of the Usos. I don't see how this helps either team. And it and all it does is make us take everything less seriously. Mm-hmm. which is counterproductive to what you want. This is supposedly the top. Have this in the mid-card of your tag team division. Have it in the mid-card of your show. Th- this is the kind of crap that killed AOP when you had a man piss himself. You know this what I mean? is the kind of shit that we loved that fashion police were doing. You know, But fashion police that- were doing it in a very intelligent way. They, were had, they had a whole bunch of in-jokes and fun little references on top of having some goofy, you know, more juvenile stuff. This is not what your arguably your two best tag teams on the entire roster should be doing. They should be busy putting on baller ass matches. You've got two high flyer guys, and you got two other guys that are no flips, just fists. It, top guys. It, it should write itself, right? The top guys doing top guy things. That's all these two teams need to be doing. Give them and give them seven yeah, to ten minutes. Give them seven to ten minutes and just let them go, and they'll put on a match. But instead. This is what we get, and it's another example of WWE, in my opinion, shooting itself in the foot. You have the ability to make money with this. This is a, a you know, the, all you have to do is let these two guys do what they're there to do, which is wrestle and entertain. Let them make you money. This is not making you money. This is making people not want to watch the product. So, and the same thing, we had Lucha House Party inexplicably crush a bunch of jobbers this week. 
just to fill time? Like, did we have 10 minutes that we didn't have to fill on, and then three hours? And, ah, I get Lucha House Party out there to squash some jobbers. There was literally no, there was no, to me, I didn't see any story point for this. Other than last week, they let Lucha House Party get squashed by the War Raider Machine Experience Vikings. And, and this, was this their get back? I don't know. Lucha House Party could be a legit faction tag team. They Frankly, they are. They are right? on 205 it's, it's Live. A, <laughs> it's established at this point. They have a name. They have a unified presence. They have a single entrance song. Let them go compete for the tag titles in the division. Yeah. I don't understand what's happening here. Yep. This is not hard. You have got an absolutely stacked raw tag division now that you've gutted SmackDown Live. Why we're doing Icy Hot and the Jock jokes and squashing jobbers is beyond me. I don't get it. People were complaining this is one of the worst Raws in a long time, and I disagree because we watch Raw every week, Nick, and I've seen quite a few stinkers where there were no stakes, there was no point in a lot of repetitive matches. And to be clear, there was a number of segments on this Raw that I thought were actually good segments. It's, it's just how glaringly evident a lot of the flaws in WWE were on this show, uh, particularly with the major angle with the wild, the wild card rule and some of the uh, WrestleMania rematches, but that was very evident. Uh, overall, I mean, I, there's still things that like I see and go, okay, there's still some good here. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, this isn't this isn't Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. This is Darth Vader somewhere between Attack of the Clones and and uh, A New Hope. <laughs> this is this is somewhere around. This is like Rogue One, Darth Vader. We're like there may be Rocket some- Mah- <laughs> Rocket Mahan and Chewie sir, yeah. sure. Good oh, call out. Oh man, there's there's a there's there's good in him, but it's gonna take a while to find it. So, uh, one, well, hey, one last thing on raw. Yeah. One last good thing. Firefly Funhouse. Uh, this so week, this is starting to develop into something interesting. Uh, this week yeah. it was real. There were a couple of big things to call out. Um, we open up Firefly Funhouse to see mercy, the buzzard with a mouth full of stuffing. He of, killed like, rambling rabbit. He killed him. <gasps> and and Bray thinks he should be rewarded. We, so he says, you know, you oh. have to do what you feel and feelings are legitimate and you know, it's okay, buddy. Okay. (laughs) This was interesting. I liked, I liked what this is telling us about. And and at the end of the show, you had Bray having a picnic with a bunch of kids who looked like they're miserable and he was holding a sheep. And there was a, there's a lots of like little symbolisms that are going on here and little clues to, to what he's going for. Um, but yeah, it was, there was a lot of like little, points in here that kept me interested i like what bray's doing and it stands out so much because it is so wild and new but you know again as i've been saying for weeks how does it translate to the ring good it's good stuff so far but bray has always been good at the you know the 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 bits it's it's just once we get the character in the ring that's the that's going to be the tell I mean, the whole bit, the whole build for the Wyatt family coming out initially on their debut, that six months that we had of just the rocking chair in the barn and his, you know, lectures and, and sermons was fantastic. Sure. This is, this is up there with that for me. Yeah. So just, I, I agree. It's hopefully this doesn't lead to, you know, maggots being projected on the ring again. Next time he faces John Cena at WrestleMania, let him goddamn win. Anyway, yes, Nick, exactly. that wraps it up for Raw, but we got plenty more WWE to talk about over on SmackDown Live. Well, this week on SmackDown Live, Sami Zayn and AJ Styles 
I guess we're the wild cards to come over to SmackDown. Two of the five, yeah. Well, we had. Uh, Wait, but no, it's it's only three. The wild card rule is only three. Or is it four? Or is it five? Because we had five people from Raw come over to SmackDown this week. We started off with uh, AJ Styles coming out and saying, "Hey, it's still the house that I built." Remember that catchphrase? And uh, since they all these SmackDown stars thought they would come over to Raw, well, I'm going to come to SmackDown because <laughs> I can do that now. Thanks, Vince, you genius. And uh, out came Sami Zayn to tell AJ that he's a bloviating idiot. And then, of course, out came Kofi to say, hey, well, this is my place now. I run this show. I'm the champ here. And this is when I, I started liking this a lot, Nick, because Kofi said, I'm a fighting champ. Y'all are both in my house. So let's go. And we, sure enough, right away set up a, a, uh, a triple threat match for Kofi's title. So once again, we had Raw, star, you know, Raw stars now. In the main event of SmackDown, SmackDown stars the main event of Raw. Uh, already, I'm I'm I don't think the wild card rule is making me any more excited for these shows. But I no. will say when you, you know because again, it's just arbitrary as to who you have on what show. If you really want to have stars be able to have matches with other stars, just do away with the shakeup altogether. Why make it more convoluted? Whatever. We had a main event that was Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles versus Kofi Kingston for the belt, and it was good. It was great. It was really good. Yeah. So Let, let's be let's not let's not do be mistaken here. It, it, Sami Zayn was in there to eat the pin so that AJ wouldn't. Sure, but at least he got a lot of offense in, and he oh you know. those two or three blue thunder bombs just over and over and over. I was like, are they really gonna do this? Well, what I liked about that was it did make Sami look strong. It just made Kofi look that much more resilient, and it was it was yeah. kind of a super Cena, super Roman booking with it, where Kofi he couldn't put Kofi down. Now, he didn't hit him with a halluva kick, but he did him with three blue thunder bombs, and Kofi kept kicking out, kept kicking out. Here's the thing. You know what's crazy? Underdog booking works when it's for a guy you believe is an underdog. Who would have thought? <laughs> like, I buy it once I look at Kofi and think, you're an underdog. That's what makes him work. I want to root for him. And when you build him in Not a match... Roman. <laughs> Roman doesn't look like an underdog. He looks like a monster. You know, same with Cena. Cena's a jacked dude. I believe he's a strong guy. So, yeah, I, I like this a lot better because it did feel like uh, like Kofi came back from the brink. Yeah. So uh, oh, I agree with that completely. Yeah. All, all around, it was, it was just good stuff. And I like the fact that you even had Kevin Owens still in, you know, he's still got a few going on with Kofi. He earlier on the show says he's not at the building, but then at the end he came out, takes out Xavier Woods, tries to interfere with the match, and Kofi still is able to uh, win the match and then stare him down as Kevin Owens at the top of the ramp and says there's going to be hell to pay come money in the bank. That's, that's good stuff. As much as we were just complaining about Raw, this right here, this is good stuff. I like Loved what they're it. doing. It. Yeah. So I'm, Loved it. I, I'm, I'm glad that the whole Kofi Mania thing is happening because they're getting some, some decent TV out of it. Uh, it's unfortunate that the ratings were up slightly for SmackDown as well, but not not significantly. No. So I think they've scared off a lot of people, and I, I can't blame the people that they've scared off at this point. Yeah. Well, we've, uh, we also, after we saw Daniel Bryan show up on Raw, uh, he was also here and got set up in a match for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. So, yeah, so the Tag Team Championships were vacated because the Hardy Boys had to give them up because Jeff had to go have surgery. So Shane McMahon came out this week to say he was going to present them to the new tag champs, and he couldn't think of anybody better than Daniel Bryan and Rowan, which off the top of my head, I was I was sitting, well, Nick's going to hate this because it's two singles wrestlers, 
but and and I want to know if you hated it or not. But I loved it. I thought that was a brilliant idea. The best part about it was the stare down with heavy machinery afterwards. <laughs> of course it was. Of course you. They gonna the, get them belts. Oh, they're not. They're, they're going to be the first victims. But now, I, what I liked about this was this was an interesting way to set this up. Declare that this team is the new champions. Have two guys. Well, unfortunately, it was it was using the wild card rule. The two Usos, which brings us to four people from Raw. The two Usos came over and said, hey, no, this is, we built SmackDown. You can't just give those belts away. They have to earn them. And so we had a match set up because of that, which I thought was a, a, a nice way to set up a match that actually meant something because the Usos sure. were the tag champs on SmackDown so many times and had so many good feuds. And in fact, they even called it out. They lost the belts to Shane and Miz. And that's, you know, they're like, if you're going to, you can't just give them away at this point. They got to earn them. And I like that Shane went, all right, fair enough. Let's have a match. And it made Daniel Bryan and Rowan seem more intimidating because they beat the Usos clean as a whistle. And Rowan got the pin. So that makes Daniel Bryan and Rowan look real strong out the gate. Is this Team Hell No 2.0? That's the first thing I thought was Daniel Bryan knows how to work with a big guy as his tag team partner. So that we, we know this will work as, in terms of chemistry. And Rowan, yeah. I mean, people forget, Rowan's a pretty solid wrestler himself. He's, yeah, got he some, he's got some good moves for a big guy. And great taste in bands, by the way. Um, he he um, didn't go back to the well for the first time. He went back to the well for week. the first time. Went for some Amon Amarth. Some, yes. uh, some all-time great Viking metal. I still bear scars from being in a pit at the Avalon for the Amon Amarth show back in 2007. But <laughs> that's okay. That's a, that's a story for another time. But uh, yeah, no, good call. Good call with Amon Amarth. So it look, does look like Heavy Machinery is going to be there. Well, is it their only? What's left on SmackDown? Like, is SmackDown Live tag division so bad that we had to put the belts on Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan because there, there were no other tag teams left? We talked about this last week was, like, who else is on SmackDown? I think one of the listener questions from last week, and I, forgive me, I forget whose it was. Uh, so they said, like, is there enough people on SmackDown to actually give – to, to have the Hardys go away and have there be a division? Because you've got New Day. You've got Heavy Machinery, as we said. We don't know where the bar is because we don't know if she- uh, Sheamus is still concussed and Cesaro hasn't been seen since the first night of the shakeup. Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura haven't been seen. And technically, I think the Colognes are still on SmackDown. But, you know, the Colognes. Um, so, I yeah, I don't know. Well, the... Did the B team show up on Raw or SmackDown? It was Raw. They showed up to beat up Raw. to beat up Roman on his way out. That's right. So the, yeah, the B team's over on. Oh no, they beat no no no. They beat up Miz on SmackDown. They beat up Miz on later on on SmackDown. So the B team is still on SmackDown. But again, Daniel Bryan and Rowan are heels, so I can't really see a heel versus heel match. So as far as faces, New Day Heavy Machinery. That's it. Okay. So yeah, I don't really see a lot else for them to do besides heavy machinery, but they're not going to lose the belts that quickly. They just dominated the Usos. So, yeah, that's why That's why when you said you liked heavy machinery being back there, I, uh, I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's not going to be a good look for heavy machinery. They're going to get fed to these guys. So, but again, But again, my question is, here's an example of a couple of singles wrestlers where it makes sense to have them as a tag team. Daniel Bryan just let Kofi go over him twice. Right. So he's pretty much established that he doesn't really have a place at the top of the singles division, but he's had a long standing association with Rowan now. 
And for them to go over and essentially say, well, like, like craftily be like, oh, well, we can't win in the singles division. Let's go over and dominate a very sparse tag division. There's a lot that you can read into that. And it actually makes a lot of sense. So does it still, do you still not like that there's two singles wrestlers as a tag team? I do not. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Sticking to my guns. Ah. It's not a tag team. Oh, God. Uh, there's no winning with you. Hashtag more wrestling. Daniel Bryan is a great guy on the mic, a great auteur, right? And, and, you know, having a big enforcer is a staple in wrestling for little guys that are mouthy. Sure. I, I just, that was such a good combination of those two guys. And, you know, if, if you want to do something, have Rowan in ma- singles matches with Daniel Bryan out there doing shady Healy shit on the outside the ring. It's just, that's, I, don't, I don't understand why we have to... But your, this guy was just the champ. But your singles division is packed, and Daniel Bryan can go do things other places and put over people in other, and make the tag team division more relevant. This is going to make a very, very sparse tag team division more relevant by having a big star like Daniel Bryan in it. Yeah. All right. Well, agree to disagree on that point. We did mention the B team uh, attacked Miz because uh, Shane, after this, after this match... Uh, got attacked by Miz and chased off again. Miz just cannot help beat up Shane. Uh, but then Shane, of course, like with the help of the, of the B team, the former Miz Taraj, beats up Miz with a chair. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Nick. I like this. No talking, just beating each other up back and forth across brands. Can they, can they keep this up for two more weeks or will it become stale? No, I think they can keep this going. Okay. <laughs> I don't want them to. It should have ended at WrestleMania with that superplex off the uh, the hard cam. Oh, but come that, on. You know. Sore that, loser. Fine. Sore loser. You know I'm right, too. No. I, listeners. No, I, you know I'm right. Okay, yeah. Appeal to the listeners. Yeah. Appeal to the listeners. You know I'm right. Uh, yeah, again, I think this, this, this shows that sometimes simplicity and intensity are just better than tortured storylines. Uh, speaking of tortured storylines, Carmella and Ember Moon versus Mandy and Sonya Deville. We had this match, this tag team match. Speaking of, of singles wrestlers as tag teams, Carmella and Ember Moon. Carmella, um, blonde again, by the way, Nick. Blonde again. Do you think she finally realized she's only going to get pushed if she's a blonde mm, in WWE? Um, I don't want to speculate too much, but Corey Graves also shaved his head. Don't know what that the one has to do with the other. Two but plus two. I, I don't know. Two plus two equals eighteen. I don't even know what the yes. heck you're trying to say there. All I know I'm doing, is I, I'm I'm writing for Ringside News now. Carmella went know. blonde, and Ember Moon eats the pin in this match. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, yes, Ember Moon and Carmella were beaten by Mandy and Sonya Deville in this match. But then after the match, Mandy and Sonya Deville were confronted by Paige and her two new cohorts. Uh, Asuka and Kyrie Sane, and they promised that they were going to kill Fire and Desire next week. Um, this was honestly this was a fine match. That was fine. There's some nice big heavy hitting moves in this match. I I liked it. it. Was short as hell, but there was a the women did a good job here. The crowd was just totally dead, and that's yeah. tragic because it it shows that WWE doesn't know how to get you invested in these mid card. Characters, story, uh, superstars, not just men, but women as well. This should have been something that the crowd was hot for because it was good, exciting stuff. But they were dead. That's, that's it's tragic. There's nothing we can do about the crowds, man. It's, you know, 
But there that's is. That's the one thing. And Cincinnati's not. No, I don't know where they were for SmackDown. Raw Kentucky. was pretty dead in Cincinnati. Oh, that's right. They were in Louisville. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I I don't. And I don't they put were, too much weight on the crowds no, but anymore. This, this crowd was hot for the for the main event for the Kofi uh, Triple Threat. They were hot for that, sure. but they weren't for this match. I and I blame that on the fact that they haven't given us a reason to engage in these superstars. Ember Moon is charismatic and a fantastic wrestler. Carmella also has her place where she can do things that are 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 she ha, she is totally capable of putting on a good match. And I think Mandy and and Sonya Deville are underrated. Um even though Mandy's getting inexplicable pushes that don't really speak to her character or they, 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 that's not helping her the way that they're pushing her. I don't know if I'd say inexplicable, but yes. Oh, wow. I didn't say <laughs> did I say she was inex, inexplicably getting pushed? Yes. Uh I think we know why. It is pretty explicable. Right. (laughs) Vince has got a type. But but that being said, you know, I I feel like they're this they have opportunities with all of these women with how talented they are. And even Asuka and Kyrie saying they came out and it was kind of like, okay, great. Paige has a tag team. It did it was none of this was engaging. So and and, yeah. Yeah. And and the crowd showed it. Um, We also had now, what the crowd did get invested in, Mustafa Ali and Andrade Cien Almas had a match that was cut short, mm. cut short, unfortunately, and it was just starting to get going. When Randy Orton came out and attacked both men, they both got some offense in on Randy, but Randy ultimately got the upper hand with a couple of absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous RKOs on both of these guys. Um, did this make you more excited for the Money in the Bank match, or did it irritate you that we didn't get more Andrade and Mustafa Ali? The latter. Yeah. I'll say that. No pun intended with, to do with the Money in the Bank ladder match. <laughs> latter. Latter. Um, latter. Latter. Uh, <laughs> I think Ali and Almas is a fantastic pairing. Oh, I'm God. excited to see more of those guys. I, I would love to see a solid 20-minute clean match with both of them. <laughs> Oh, oh. Dude, the, oh man! The, Just turn them loose and let them go, please. Well, then you add in Ricochet and Money in the Bank. I mean, oh. it's, I don't, I don't need the rest of the match. Just let those three I, guys do some stuff. I called it already. Andrade's my pick to win the the briefcase. Oh, for crying! Uh, in a couple of weeks, I, so I, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's Drew, but Andrade is a close second. I think with the way that they're building him, he'd be a fun one to have that briefcase for sure. Yep. Um. Yeah, especially like obviously, I think I think they're giving Randy a, a good look here because I, I think he's just going to be there to be a base and uh, a big guy in this match. He's just going to be a body in the Money in the Bank match, so they're making him look good for this particular moment. Uh, yes. We also, as I said earlier, we had a Roman video package. Speaking of trying to make people look good, um, the question I had for you about about this video package, Nick, aside from the fact that after it, I swear I could see the glistening of Roman's ball sweat on Vince McMahon's upper lip. Do you think that there was something about the fact that the crowd here, we were just, just talking about the crowd. The crowd seemed really receptive to this piece. Was that, was that some sort of trickery, do you think? Or was they, did they genuinely cut back to the crowd after airing this and the crowd was genuinely cheering that much? And that is the kind of reaction roman is getting these days because if that's the case maybe we're off base and we're still living in the last four years of roman and he really is much more over than we think right now yeah well two things here one i like what they're doing with uh where like they did it with the firefly Funhouse as well well they'll, they'll do they'll pull out and show that it's showing up on the tron with like an over the shoulder of the audience i like that i like that camera angle it shows them engaged and watching it 
Um, the other part of this is I, for some reason, I got up, walked away, came back. I think I went to get a drink right before this, and I came back and thought I was like watching the the edition of Chronicle with Roman Reigns. Yeah. Like for some reason, I, it was so long. <laughs> Like, I've seen all this already. Right. Just go, it's on the network. Go watch four it. Four minutes of Ali and Andrade, but we have seven and a half minutes of Roman Reigns buttering himself up and be like, look at all these things that I did. And I, all I could see was like, okay, so we, we took out all the parts where people hated Roman. We made it look like everyone was excited that he beat Triple H and Undertaker. Uh, we made it seem like it was a big deal when he finally freaking beat Brock at SummerSlam. We, we cut out the part where Brock opened him up at WrestleMania and everyone booed the WWE out of the building. Like we took out his complete revisionist history up until the point where he had leukemia and then he overcame that and then he came back and everyone was happy. Everything before that was just, I think, a look into what Vince's mentality is with Roman Reigns where he's looking at what are the positives here? And he's, and he's, he's he says, I can make this video package of all of the big you know, coronation moments of Roman Reigns over the last four or five years. You know, we have Roman winning the Royal Rumble and made it seem like it was something that people were, were happy about. But Vince right. can edit that to make it look like that's the case. And someone who co- who's coming in who didn't watch all of that, who hasn't been invested in this product, will go, wow, Roman is really kind of a big deal. And he's overcome so much. What a stud. Short-term memory, WWE Universe. Yeah, but it really is a kind of a, a look into the madness of King Vince here. With, with this extended just vendetta against the WWE showing, Universe. Showing him to, do all the un- interviews and stuff as well sure. on the morning shows. Like, yeah. I can't remember the last time I got up early enough to watch one of the CBS This Morning or to the Today Show or any of that well, stuff. That's, that's you. Like, are, are senior citizens that watch those programs at 7 o'clock in the morning watching WWE? Moms and dads love Roman Reigns. He is a wholesome example sure. for their kids. Except when he says yeah, bitch every but, once in a while. But are kids... Are kids watching the Today Show? Kids are Roman's target audience, and if they're up for school, then they're you know then maybe yeah, you know I again they're trying to make him appeal to the families because they're looking at playing the kids because they're looking for the 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 legacy viewers. They're looking to create that next generation. Let's be clear, Nick. You and I are watching because we watched as kids, and that is the mentality that they have. Aim for the kids because then you create people who are interested in your product for the rest of their lives, even if they don't watch consistently. They're aware of it, and they have fond memories of it. I know a lot of people who don't watch anymore, but watched when they were kids, and they still remember it, and they think of WWE fondly. And it wouldn't take that much to get them back into it. And if their kids started watching it because of Roman Reigns, they might get back into it themselves, or they would at least allow it because of their fond memories of it. So gunning for the kids with Roman Reigns, it's, it, is a, it is not an unsound business strategy. Yeah. So, and if that's what he, that's, and that's been his, Vince's, uh, you know, his motivation for the last few years is he, he, was, he settled on Roman. Roman's my guy. I'm just going to, you know, drive it into the ground. Come you, hell or high water, he's going to be the, the top guy. Don't tell Vince no. People don't want to watch the XFL. Screw you. I'll bring it back in 20 years. I'll, I'll have I'll have Vince be the quarter or sorry I'll have Roman be the quarterback. Uh, well, he has played before. Uh, so that was a, that was SmackDown. We had a couple more things. We had Alistair Black had another promo, which 
to me, started out like it was being a little too wordy, but then he, he landed the plane at the end. I don't know. What did you thought about it, Nick? Do, do you think he's getting a little too much, or is it still working for you? This, um, it, it's still working for me for the time being, but this is another Sami Zayn thing where it needs to turn into something and be, become, you know, this is not the mystique that I want from Aleister Black. I want to see him having, you know, 10-minute entrances covered in smoke and well, flashes and all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't want to see him sitting in the back in a black shirt and talking lowly and, and brooding and doing these things and, and, and telling me philosophy. I, you know? <laughs> it's good in theory, and, and frankly, you know, if, you, if you look at what he's doing, his, his promo work here is really good. But I, ag- I agree with you. There's only so long it can go before we need to see this guy have a singles match. You know, and and hopefully not creak on the way up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's going to. You know it will. I'm Alistair Black. I'm here to fade to black. Black, 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 black. Blackity black. Lars Sullivan? Uh, Oh, what? Uh, And then finally... Notably absent this week, uh, Becky and Charlotte. Any thoughts? Uh, Fantastic. We got through an entire week of SmackDown without having Becky or Charlotte because we didn't need it. It wasn't necessary. Now, I know it's probably because they've, they've already gone over to Europe uh, for the European tour, and they're, right. and they're facing each other over there all the time. But, but it, it, it proved the point. You didn't need them. And it's not like we need more build for Becky and Charlotte. That could happen tomorrow, and we'd be ready for it. We've been ready for it. We're seeing it again. It's another WrestleMania rematch. And at, at the end of the day, we don't need to have these people exposed every week. You have a huge roster. Have some people have the week off. Great. It, it, this proves you don't need it, and it's still on our mind. Yeah. You had Becky on Monday with a little quick thing with Lacey. Boom, that was it. You can remind us the match great. is coming. Yeah. So I actually thought it was a very good thing not to have Becky or Charlotte on this show. Yeah. Well, guys, that's it for the main roster. Let us know what you thought over in the Busted Wide Open discussion group, but we're not done yet. Lots of listener questions to go through. NXT 205 Live and more over in the wide world of wrestling. Well, starting out with NXT, we uh, we open the show Mia Yim versus Bianca Belair. They've been having words for the last couple of weeks. They've been going at each other on social media, and finally we have a match to determine who is uh, who's at the top of the women's division, at least underneath Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler. This, first of all, it was a fun match. It was a good way to showcase that both these women have good chemistry and have some, both of them have some innovative offense, as they say. But did, uh, did this ultimately show us that there is more depth in the women's division than we may have thought over the last few weeks after it kind of got raided a little bit? Yes. I was very excited to see these two have a, just a legit singles match because I think these two, we, we've moved past Kyrie Sane. And Io Shirai is feuding with Baszler. We need to establish who the next column generation of NXT, the next graduating class of NXT is going to be. And I, I think Mia Yim and Bianca Belair are going to lead us, you know, beyond the Baszler era yeah. of, of the last year. I think this; those are the two, at least two. Um, you throw Casey in there. You know, arguably Vanessa Bourne and, and Aaliyah. Candice LeRae. You know, Candice LeRae. That, that's going to be the, gra- the next graduate senior class so sure. to speak so yeah this was a fine I'm, I'm really high on Mia Yim she's done the indies for a long time we've seen her around LA a lot so uh, I'm 
rise and things like that. So I'm, I'm very excited to see Mia Yim get her opportunities. Uh, it's a shame she broke her leg because I think that put her back a few years, but she's she's showing here that she's still got it. And I like the fact that they've created a finish that protected her while still allowing Bianca Belair to go over where uh, Bianca was holding onto the ropes. The ref caught it. And then uh, during another roll-up shortly afterwards, Bianca used her hair to, uh, to hold the ropes and get the pin on Mia Yim. So it was a cheap finish. But ultimately, you know, it made them both. It made them both look good, even though Bianca took the match. So good booking there. Also, it'd be, it'd be funny if Jess the ref got up in her face and went, "Nah." Jess the ref had a good week this week. I gotta say, yeah, the, she did. Some some of her screaming at the wrestlers was fantastic <laughs> this week. Uh, we also had a match: Raúl Mendoza, Raúl Mendoza versus the new and improved. Riddick Moss. Riddick Moss came out with a brand new gimmick. How do you? What do you think of Riddick's new? Uh, his Riddick regimen. His new gimmick. I undecided at this point. <laughs> I don't hate it, but I I kind of rolled my eyes. Same, same. I I don't know that these kinds of gimmicks get over very often. That being said, the only thing I could think over uh, uh, the only other gimmick like it I could think off the top of my head was Bullfit, and that was kind of more of a joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was his, his mannerisms, the way that he sold it in the middle of the match where, you know, he kept like hydrating and, and had like the muscle massager and like he would tell he would tell the ref like you're not counting on regimen time. Like there was some there was some good character stuff that he did here that made me like it. But it's he definitely tried to give the water to uh, Raul that one time and slapped it out of his hand and, and he looked away like disappointed like like what you, what you, you spilled my drink you you shouldn't <laughs> spill that water it, you need that I mean to be clear Riddick when he came in uh he was in fantastic shape but he was basically a pair of traps and pecs now yeah. the dude is he's ripped he has gotten himself in some spectacular shape Raul Mendoza is getting in much better shape too. That, um, that he's packed on some juice, by the way. Yeah, Raul Ra- has skinnied up he a little is bit. Jacked. He's he's gotten <laughs> he's gotten very jacked. And also, we've been saying this for a while. Raul Mendoza, in my opinion, and tell me if you agree, Nick. I think he's the secret weapon of NXT. That guy he, has put on a good match every single damn time he comes out. Yeah, he is. He was he is, until Carrillo showed up, and then you know, look well, what happened to Carrillo. And now Mendoza right behind him. Mendoza looks fantastic. Carrillo is next level. Man, Mendoza is amazing, but Carrillo is is there's something else about that kid. But everyone knows yeah. I'm a fan of his. Um, but Mendoza is also spectacular. What was crazy here is I, you know, he's been used as kind of a gatekeeper wrestler for a while, but he beat Riddick Moss clean. He beat him clean here. So good for Raul. Uh, interesting new gimmick from Riddick. Curious to see where it goes. It's definitely it's not um, the finest bad. You know what I mean? It's not Kona Reeves. It's definitely better than Kona Reeves. But I think that's more in his delivery than the actual gimmick itself. So. Yeah, I actually want to say kudos to uh, Riddick Moss uh, for, for making it back. A ruptured Achilles is no joke. Ooh. And that, that can be career-ending for any athlete. Uh, so, I mean, kudos for doing the work, man. Yeah, I, I, un- I personally understand what's involved in, in coming back from something yeah, you've like had, that. Yeah, you've had that injury, so you know how bad it is. Not the Achilles, but there was a guy that I'd re- I had a knee, uh, knee, two knee surgeries. So there was a guy that I did PT with in my rehab that had a ruptured Achilles, and I would watch him get stretched and struggle to even do things like squat down. So to see Riddick Moss back doing the things that he did this week, you put the work in, dude. 
I, yeah, I well, get it. Obviously, those he, of us he, that know know and appreciate it. He really deeply uh, invested in that because now it's his character is putting in the work. Uh, as we mentioned earlier at the top of the show, Matt Riddle and Adam Cole had a match Oof. that was the main event of this week's NXT. Uh, unsurprisingly, an absolutely spectacular match. But I got to say, Nick, this to me was it was the kind of match that exemplified why NXT is better than the main roster, but only because they can't do on the main roster what you can do in NXT. And I mean that in terms of the pace of the match, the intensity, the fact that they don't have to do this night after night after night they, and, and, and come up with new moves or just they get stuck doing the same moves. This felt new and fresh to anyone who hadn't seen these guys do this on the indies. But they also, I mean, having seen them on the indies, they found some new and interesting things here in this match. But the pace that they worked at, the intensity that they worked at, couldn't happen on the main roster. Yeah. And it was all booked because of interrupting Adam Cole during a photo shoot. That's it. That's all the backstory that was there, really. Well, Adam, yeah. That, that and we know Adam Cole's a dick. And Matt Riddle's a bro who doesn't take that kind of crap. Bro. Bro. <laughs> and then they just go and have a baller match. And you care about them because they've developed the characters. You don't have to have these long, convoluted, crazy storylines when you can just create. You, you make good characters and have them bounce off of each other. Give them, and you know, give this a is backstory. all steeped in the controversy of the splintering of Undisputed Era as well. Sure. You know, we had Roderick Strong come out and try to, uh, on on paper, it on on the on the surface looked like he was trying to make up for something and help Adam Cole get, get over here and win, but ultimately ends up being his demise and causing um, Matt Riddle to, to roll him up into the bro mission, causing Adam Cole to lose the match. It ultimately gets blamed on. Roboterick Strong. Oh, stop. And the other, you know, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly come out and go, dude, dude, what are you doing? And it, th- this whole thing feels like a setup. You know, I, the only thing I didn't like about this is that we just quickly skipped over to the match and the finish and got right into the breakdown of Undisputed Era but that's in, the, the in, the, in the ring. That's the story. I, I understand that, but I was, I was like, no, no, but I want, I want more Riddick and Cole. I'm sorry, more uh, Riddle and Cole. Sure, but I think that, that it's the ending served its purpose. And to be clear, Roderick Strong did his part. Adam Cole, you know, he, Riddle was distracted. Riddle comes flying over the ropes back into the ring, eats a super kick and goes down, but is able to power out of the fin- of the, the cover and puts Adam Cole in the bro mission. Like, it, it, it wasn't Roderick Strong's fault. Adam Cole lost the match, but that's what adds grist to this whole thing is that Adam Cole is being a dick about Roderick Strong. Roderick right. Strong is generally trying to help and do the right thing, um, but he's also getting hot-headed about Adam Cole's reactions. So it makes all the breakdown of, of Undisputed Era feel very real, and their acting afterwards was excellent as well. It felt like a bunch of guys who were genuinely having a, a, a scrap with each other, like a, like a beef with each other and being held back by their buddies who just didn't want mommy and daddy to fight anymore. You know, and it was uh, some of the, the off the cuff stuff you could hear them saying, you know, on the camera mics were, was good stuff. It didn't feel like scripted or just, you know, they were repeating the one thing, trying to get it on camera. They were actually like saying what you would say in that situation. So the whole thing, it felt very good. The match was excellent. This whole, th- they're, they're going to have to build really quickly because they have a takeover coming up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, takeover 25 at the Webster Bank Arena on June 1st. June 1st, Nick. That's two and a half weeks away, three weeks away. Good Lord. So, Is this to make up for the Tacoma 
what was going to be backlash is now fall Which standing is, or something. I can't remember uh, what it is. Yeah, I forget. Oh, it's uh, stomping grounds. Stomping, stomping grounds. grounds. Stomping grounds you. in July. I think is what they're doing in Tacoma. But uh, no, this they were originally going to have a show that matched up with uh, the Saudi Arabia show, but then because of scheduling conflicts, they did it. They're now doing it a week before the Saudi Arabia show. Um, My so, head yeah, hurts. It's, it's exactly they, they've created they've <laughs> they've created such a chaotic thing after WrestleMania since they did last this year. last year. I too. Know. we were having like three pay per views a month, and our heads were spinning because we couldn't like keep up with all the shows and the previews and the picks yeah, and the it recaps. It and, wasn't oh. even this chaotic. This is even more chaotic. Uh, but looks like we're uh, we've got a couple things coming up for NXT. Io Shirai attacked Shayna during a quote practice session where. Uh, there was like a, a you know phone camera set up like recording uh, Shayna and Marina and Jessamine all training in the ring and EO runs in from the side. You see her run in and attack them and it felt very much like you know a, a candid thing. And you also saw the Forgotten Sons attack the War Raider Viking experience uh, as they were leaving the building on a security cam. And look, they just rolled up in a truck and beat him down. I here's the thing, that's production stuff. That they should be doing, like we were talking about the Miz and Shane segment on Raw, where you had the, the fun new angle to see stuff from. This feels like a step beyond that, where we're finding new and interesting camera angles to get. Now, this is stuff we've seen in all kinds of other promotions where they're trying new, interesting things. NXT is doing it, and it's successful. Yep. And they've been doing it for a while. They've been finding us ways to explain how they're capturing footage of people having issues. They've been doing it for a while where we know who the camera person is. We know why the camera is there. Uh, there's a reason for it. It's not just like a random all-seeing eye camera backstage that people know that no one acknowledges. So, good stuff. Suns are the next champs. You think it, Now, do, do you think the Suns are being set up as the next champs? Because we know that... Uh, I've been saying that for some time. The Viking machine is going to have to... I, r- 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 yeah, they're going to be gone. I mean, we're, we're what? Four weeks uh, recorded... On NXT, so I yeah, I think it's already a done deal. I'm not, I haven't spoiled it. I'm not, I haven't looked for the record. I mean, I've, you guys know I've been high on Jackson and the Suns for some time now. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yep. But yeah, I th- I think I even called them to win the Dusty Classic. So thank God they didn't. That yep. being said, we have a couple more things to get to, and then listener questions. Two hundred five live. Arya Davari had a match with Noam Dar. Uh, he beat him, but then got almost jumped by champion Tony Nice. Uh, niece just wanted Arya to know he could jump him at any time, but he probably won't, and at least until the pre-show of Money in the Bank, which you know the title <laughs> match is going to be on. Uh, the Singh brothers also on uh, 205 Live. They actually got a win over a couple of guys we don't know, D- David Kaufman and Kevin Lee, but they still said, hey, we won, and we're going to continue this winning trend by having a match at Lucha House Party next week. Good luck, guys. Yeah. And then finally, we had the main event, Akira Tozawa and Mike Kanellis. Nobody ringside, no Maria, no uh, no Brian Kendrick, no DQ. This was, if it weren't for Adam Cole and Matt Riddle, this, this would have been my WWE match of the week. This was, guys, no one's watching 205 Live, and, it's, and there was almost no one in the crowd here, and y'all missed a pay-per-view quality match, straight up. This, they, they were killing themselves out there. There was, there was a move late in this match, uh, that I would have a hard time describing. Essentially, it was a, it was a fireman's carry into a, a, a hurricane rana off the top of the turnbuckle to the outside through two tables. And I swear to God, I thought Akira Tozawa had broken his damn neck. Good Lord. It was ridiculous. 
Go yeah, watch. That's one I didn't get to. I can't wait to see that one later. Go watch this freaking match. Uh, next week, we've got Jack Gallagher, Umberto Carrillo, uh, Mark Andrews, and James Drake in a fatal four-way match. That should be a really fun one, too. But uh, in the meantime, please, love of God, Akira Tozawa and Mike Kanellis. Uh, I'm officially going to start calling him Mike Kanellis after this match. He showed me he, the guy can go. I'm yeah. no longer going to make fun of his impact uh, history. Like that's, that, this, this was the match that turned me. The, the boys got the goods. Oh, yeah. We've known oh. that all along. It yeah. was more of just, is he Mike Bennett or is he Mike Kanellis? <laughs> he is he is Mike Kanellis and I salute him sir. This was yes. good it was good stuff. Uh New Japan, really quickly going over to Japan, we are about to get the Battle of the Super Juniors. Those blocks are set. We've also got Ooh. Dominion coming up. They're already building for Dominion which goes down after the Battle of the Super Juniors. Two big big we got a big tournament and a big show coming up for New Japan. And when I say a big show, I am not kidding Nick about Dominion. The the four matches that they've got uh, so far are i mean this is this this it's rightfully going to be their SummerSlam. yeah for the heavyweight champ the iwgp heavyweight championship jericho chris jericho is coming back to new japan to face kazuchika okada for the belt for the belt <laughs> holy smoke for the belt. is there any way jericho wins this I do we even care? It's going to be so good. We don't I even care. I want to say no. I think it's just going to depend on how much uh, New Japan. It's going to be a good. It's going to be a good indicator of how much New Japan wants to work with AEW because Jericho's next match after this is going to be at Double or Nothing versus Kenny Omega. Yeah, and if that's for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, that's in. That's insane. Could it, it, uh, so is it possible that Jericho could walk into Double or Nothing in Vegas in a couple the, of weeks as the IWGP, as the heavy IWGP heavyweight champion yes. versus Kenny Omega? Yes. Oh, that is that is possible. My mind just went crazy. Your mind explode. My Let mind actually, just fantasy booked itself into oblivion. I actually in three haven't. Seconds. I haven't checked the Dominion date. <laughs> Uh, it, it might actually, smokes. it might actually come, it might actually come after double well, or nothing. Okay. Let me, uh, let me make, let me make sure I'm not, I'm not crazy about this. Well, I'll work on these other ones while you're looking no, this up. It's, it's sorry. It is July 9th it, or June, oh, damn it. June 9th. So it will be after the fact. Damn it. That would have been great. But, uh, but no, but he's, Jericho still could conceivably win the title, especially now. Actually, I think it might actually be a, a, a more likely because he's not going to take it to AEW. So yeah. either way, that's a big that's a big match at the top of the card. Here's one for you, Nick. This the, is the one I'm interested in because we just got done seeing him twice. Twice in uh, the uh, uh, not the G1, the other one. Yeah, <laughs> the, the other G1 that's at the beginning half of the first the, half of the, the year. Mini G1, the New Japan Cup, sir. New Japan uh, Cup, thank you. <laughs> Naito versus Kota Ibushi for uh, the Intercontinental Belt. Rubber match, baby. Third uh, match. There, this Those for, matches in the cup were amazing. For all the marbles. So, yeah, and on a, on a big stage, you know, they're going to go all out. Cannot wait for that match. Uh, Taichi versus Tomohiro Ishii for the never open weight belt. They've been bouncing this belt all over the place. Uh, I, I will be horrified if Taichi beats Ishii here. But, I mean, I would be also horrified if this belt bounced around even more than it already has. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then finally, we know that the winner of the Battle of Super Juniors will be facing Dragon Lee, who's the current junior heavyweight champ, unless Lee wins the tournament, in which case we have no idea who's, who he's going to face. But 
I don't think Lee's winning this tournament because That's why he's not going to win it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we do have the blocks. We do know what blocks they're going to be. It's a round robin tournament a la the G1. It's just for the juniors, which is the New Japan version of the cruiserweights. So an A block you have. Uh, these guys will all be facing each other over the next couple of weeks. Takamichinoku, Titan, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Marty Skrull, Jonathan Gresham, Sho from Rapongi 3K, Shingo Takagi from Los Ingobernables, Dragon Lee himself, Taiji Ishimori, and Tiger Mask. Dragon Lee and Taiji Ishimori just had an amazing match in Road to Dontaku. Uh, so it's nice to see that they're going to get another one here in the Battle of Super Juniors. Uh, it'll be telling to see who wins it because, frankly, Taiji was kind of my pick to take it and face Dragon Lee at Dominion. But having them in the same block kind of throws that off for me. Mm-hmm. You know, And also, I'm curious to see what they do with Marty now that Marty's uh, doing a lot of work with Ring of Honor and maybe going to AEW at some point. I think he's going to AEW. Well, they're he's going to join everybody else. Maybe, but he's looking for a fourth member for Villain Enterprises, so maybe he's still sticking around Ring of Honor for longer. I don't know. I don't know what's Can going on. Can it be all elite wrestling without all of the elite I to be I'm, determined? I mean, he's no longer elite. All his friends are dead, according to Marty. Aww. B Block, B Block. We've got Robbie Eagles, Flip Gordon, El Desperado, Bandito. Bandito, hell yes. El Fantasmo, who just made his debut recently, Will Ospreay. Bushi. Thank you. Thank you. Bushi from uh, from uh, Los Ingobernables. Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, Yo from Rapongi 3K. And Rocky Romero from Rapongi 3K. So we're going to have Yo and Rocky are going to have to have a match. Uh, this is an exciting block, too. We're going to see a Will Ospreay Flip Gordon match, dude. A Will Ospreay, uh, a Will Ospreay Bandito match. Yeah, Will Ospreay Bandito has my attention. Flip uh, Gordon Bandito has my attention. Uh, El Fantasma Will Ospreay. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to like in this in this block. There's a lot to like in all these blocks. This is going to be a very exciting uh, battle of super juniors that's starting soon, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Finally, on the uh, battle of super juniors tour, our boy Brody King will be working the undercard. So it'll nice. be it'll be curious to see if this member of Villain Enterprises shows up for any of these Marty Skrull matches. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So. Keep your eyes out for that. Some big stuff happening in New Japan over the next month or so. Uh, we mentioned AEW. Quick AEW segment. We do know that the it was originally called the over the over the limit over the over budget over budget battle royale. Now it's the casino battle royale. It was announced this week. There will be twenty one entrants. A lot. There's a lot of a lot of gaming references. Here. 21 entrants in the Casino Battle Royale. It will start with five entrants, and then there will be five more every three minutes. Not one at a time, five at a time every three minutes. And then lucky 21. Lucky number 21 is going to enter last totally alone. Now, this is whoever they're doing this on a deck based on a deck of playing cards. Correct. And they're going to do it, break it up into four suits. Uh, the, everybody's going to draw a card. Yeah, here come the There's night. also going to be a Joker card in there. And the Joker card determines who comes out last. Number yes. 30, I think he said it was. 20, 21. I thought he said 30. Okay. But oh, either way, oh, 21 they, get to, they get to come out last. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever That's how they're determining the, uh, the final position. Yeah. Lucky 21, so, a.k.a. the Joker. Yeah. So, no, good stuff. Um, uh, this, uh, hey, man, what a nice, intriguing new way to do a battle royale. Let's try some new stuff. Let's have it be themed to the theme of the pay-per-view. 
Thank you. Good. Fun. Uh, the entrance that we know so far, Sonny Kiss, Kip Sabian, Brandon Cutler, Ace Romero, Glacier. What the hell is Glacier doing here? Brian, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr., Sunny Days, Dustin Thomas. If you don't know who Dustin Thomas is, he is a professional wrestler whose uh, legs were amputated when he was a child. The man has no legs, and he's an incredible professional wrestler. And, and still does topes over the top rope. Yeah, so he's, he's incredible. keep that in mind. Yeah. And, and with four four fifty, I don't know what I think it's a tope with a four fifty yep. splash. It's uh, it's absurd. And then uh, MJF, it's been teased that Joey Janela might be in it. Chucky e. T and Trent are supposedly in it, but they're in a storyline where they want out of it. So we'll see if they end up being in it. Uh, currently, MJF is my pick to win it because there's stakes. The winner gets a title shot, and MJF has been getting a ton of time. And they've been they've been building the heck out of that guy. So he he's also in a very entertaining Twitter feud with Conrad, the podcaster, uh, who also runs Starcast. That's uh, that's probably been my Twitter spotlight of the week. Really, Conrad versus MJF. You obviously have not seen the Becky Lynch's mom and Big E Twitter thing that's been going on. Uh, the thirst that Big E has for for Becky Lynch's mom is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He, uh, he, he, real quick before we get to listen to your questions, Big E tweeted out that he would start a, uh, a stationary bike class just so that he could see her mom's post workout glisten. It's, it was, oh my goodness. It, was, it was not PG rated. Uh, and Becky tweeted back that her mom said, uh, um, she'd be willing, her mom would be willing to risk it all and put pedals on Big E. Oh, wow. <laughs> It's just like, oh my god! So yeah, I don't know. MJF. There's a, or, there's, a there's a Peloton joke in there somewhere. There's uh, there's a lot of jokes in there somewhere. <laughs> it's a it's a you know Becky's the man. Well, hashtag the ma is now trending as well on Twitter. So Woo. between MJF and hashtag the ma, there's lots to check out on Twitter right now. Um, finally, AEW will be showing on ITV. If you are one of our UK listeners and you want to watch Double or Nothing, it will be available on itv for you guys which is awesome uh it will be 1 a.m uh uk time on sunday may 26th and uh there will be an hour-long pre-show called buy-in that's going to be free but the actual show itself will be pay-per-view so gotcha so yes Excellent. That's pretty big news, actually. ITV is one of the big. It's it's one of their NBC, Fox, ABC kind of big networks in the UK. Yeah. So the fact that they're picking it up is is a big deal. So one a.m. Sunday morning is that technically like Saturday night, uh, or is that Sunday morning? Sunday okay. morning. Sunday morning, one a.m. Because it's going to be gotcha. uh, Saturday night our time. So gotcha. it's just that's that's how far ahead of us. But yeah, yep. ITV box office to get the pay per view, uh, and there will be no the spoilers. UK pre-show. since it's going to be ahead of us. I'll be watching it live, so I don't, I'll be one of. I'll, I'll spoil bad it for joke. all of you. Sorry. Uh, all right, bad jokes aside, uh, let's get to some listener questions, guys. If you want to get your questions in here every single week on the Busted Wide Open podcast, all it takes is a five dollar monthly contribution and pledge over at patreoncom bwo. Kicking things off this week, Eric. Now, I want, well, before we get to the question, I want to preface this by saying. It's very apparent that you guys did not like the wild card stuff either. So a lot of these questions and conversations are going no. to be around the wild card no. uh, brilliance of Vince McMahon. Wait, in his wait, words. wait, wait, wait. Our listeners didn't like the wild card thing this week? I I'm, know. Who to fuck I'm it, right? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. 
shot. Well, kicking things off uh, with Eric. Given how bad the programming has, <laughs> has been oh, ever since Mania, oh, man. is it time to do away with the brand split completely? Yes. Well, I mean, doesn't this wild card rule kind of half negate it anyway? It gives him a, an out. It's an out. I mean, it, it, it is a half negation of the brands. But the whole idea that they have always tried to sell us was that the brands are separate. There is some sort of competition between the brands to see who can make a better show, get better ratings, et cetera, et cetera, even though none of that has ever really paid off or referenced unless it's around Survivor, uh, uh, Survivor Series time when uh, both rosters go head-to-head in direct competition. <sighs> um, but... <laughs> That's that's kind of the thing is that it's it it is it's kind of a cowardly way to have your cake and eat it too. To yeah. say like yes there are still two brands because they are still defining it as being two brands and they're trying to sell us on this idea that we have a separation of the two brands and that's going to be part of their storylines going forward. So it's it's not completely negated but it's negated enough that you can have superstars come to either show whenever the, their whims determine that it happened um, and not have any real ramifications in storyline other than creating more audience disinterest. Yeah. So No, I, I think one of the biggest, uh, biggest mistakes they made was it introducing red and blue belts, combining the world championship with the heavyweight title into the WWE championship. I mean, you could go all the way back to that, what, four or five years ago now. And I just, I think that was the beginning of where this all went wrong, was introducing the Fisher-Price toy belts. And I, I, just, I want the belts to be special, and it feels, I don't think we're going to get away from this brand split until those are done away with. That's well, and, my and, realistic perspective. And the thing is, is as far as should they do away with the brand split, at this point, it's one of the things that's going to be driving some of their storylines. Like they're gonna they're gonna fall back on that trope, um, but ultimately the brand split as a concept with a roster this deep, I think is necessary. Yeah, it's just they're not they're not doing it effectively. They're not doing and they uh, and they sold each of them for a billion dollars. Well, yeah, and and having them on two different networks should make it more of a separation as well. I think it will create less of a separation because they're going to want to try to goose ratings on either show by bringing across superstars from either brand. That should should they have two separate shows that have two different mentalities and goals and pr- uh, presentations and really try to create competition within their company to create a better show. Yes. Paul Heyman tried to do that back in the early two thousands. And he was essentially driven out of the WWE because Stephanie wanted to do things her way. And there was all kinds of, of headbutting between them. And he finally just gave up. I think so, getting the shows back to beginning of the week and end of the week will be a huge boon as well, because I think, Three hours and two hours, back-to-back nights is just, it's, it's overwhelming, the amount of just content that we have to consume. But it, having the break throughout the week with NXT nicely in the middle of it, I think is going to pace things out a little bit better. And to your point about going to the different networks, I think that might actually breed some competition. Fox might have some different ideas. They might want to do some different shit, we, and we, they might be able to sway yeah, we already know that they want it to be edgy. Oh, edgier. Uh-oh. More Mandy Friday Night Primetime edgy TV. More Mandy Rose Hotel uh, scenes. Yeah. yeah. So it's just what we know. That's edgy. Yes. Oh, instead of Sami Zayn going into a, a dumpster, it'll be the toilet. Oh, wait, we already did that with Kevin Owens. Uh, anyway. I don't know. To be determined. It's going to be an interesting ride through the summer as we make our way to October when that 
actual that changeover actually happens, I, I'll I'm skeptically optimistic that you know SmackDown going to Friday nights is going to be a good thing. Plus, you slot in AEW TV in there on Tuesdays now. Not that we didn't have enough wrestling content to consume throughout the week, <laughs> but I think separating it out like that paces things a little bit. It makes it more digestible. I'm going to have to get another job just to be able to pay for all the wrestling that I'm going to have to watch for all the, the show. monthly subscriptions we yeah. Have. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, speaking that, of which, thank that, you, patrons, for yes. uh, for contributing to our watching efforts. Thank you, patrons. Thank you. You're making it possible. <laughs> At this point, you're starting to literally make it possible. Eric, good question. I like that one. Thank you for that one. Uh, Jonathan is up next. <laughs> Here we go. Is wildcard slang for we don't know what to do? <laughs> In an era that is no longer supposed to have rematches. <clears throat> <laughs> And have new feuds, I feel like something is missing. Do we think Bruce Pritchard is actually getting any say in creative, or was it just hope and hush money? It's hard to say what Pritchard's doing. You know, I, I want to think he was in charge of that really great Miz segment because it reminded me, I know he was in charge of the Batista Ric Flair beatdown uh, and the filming of that. And that felt very fresh and new from an angle we hadn't seen before. So it makes me suspect that Pritchard is getting a couple of, of moments here and there. Um, but I was, I have, that's complete speculation. I have no proof of that either way. And for all I know, that segment could have been Vince's idea. I don't know. We have no idea. They've always been very close-lipped about what goes on backstage. And whatever filters out, even then you have to take with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, is the wild card slang for we don't know what to do? No, it's slang for we think we know what to do, but it's the wrong thing. Um, or it's we just want to slap a Band-Aid on this as opposed to actually fixing the, you know, the, the pussy infected wound that's underneath. The root cause. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to take antibiotics. We don't want to actually sew this thing up. We just want to put a temporary fix on it. Um, so it's... Because they obviously they're, they they think that this is the thing to do. That's how Vince was selling it the entire week. It's why everyone was selling what a, quote, brilliant idea it was and how exciting it was. They were trying to sell this to us as the thing to do. But yeah. uh, um, but he's, he's right. There is something missing. There's a lot missing. Consistent storytelling, engaging characters, um, payoffs to long feuds. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff that they could be doing. But it's just they don't want to try truly new things or rock the boat. Because here's the thing. The wild card could be considered a quote-unquote new thing, except it's not. It's just superstars coming across brands, which they've always done whenever Vince arbitrarily needed someone to. Remember when Cena became a quote-unquote free agent? It's just another, another way for them to excuse breaking their own rules. Right. So I don't, I don't know if... Here's the thing. It doesn't matter who has say in creative. At the end of the day, there is one man. If he wants it his way, that's how it's going to be. And that's Vince. Yep. Thank you, Jonathan, for the question. Uh, next up, uh, I, I think Mayor Glenn Jacobs might be a patron. The big red machine, Kane. Submit. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. Kane, patron Kane Jameson. Oh, come on. Kane. Uh, next up, Kane. This whole wild card thing seems to be a waste of time. <laughs> WWE overtime has not been able to build or let any superstars be created to a point that they can actually affect the ratings, especially bringing the superstars that were literally just moved from their old brand and then bringing them back weeks later. 
not, not even giving a, a, them, a week, a week later, a week, a later, week. Just, just to clarify. Yeah, no, he's, go not ahead. giving them enough time to be a surprise or gaining any excitement for any such return. Well observed, big red machine. Uh, do you guys agree with this? And what would your solution be to get these superstars to the point of being a great draw? I'm getting I think the sense that's the important part right there. I, I think I'm seeing what you're saying, Nick. I'm getting the sense our listeners don't like this whole wild card thing. Yeah. I, <laughs> Um, Can't imagine why, you know. It's 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 so it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm brilliant. There's, I mean, and we've kind of we've gone over this a couple of times on this show, and it's definitely something that we've harped on over the over time. Is how the superstars of today feel a little bit less than the superstars of yesteryear, and even as time has gone on, um, the superstars of nearer yesteryear that have retired. Edge does not feel like as big of a deal as Bret Hart, for example. Uh, and I hate to say that because Edge is a fantastic all-time Hall of Fame superstar. Great, but he just doesn't. And it's been lessening and lessening. Part of that might just be the amount of WWE exposure to pop culture. Part of that might be the performers themselves and how much they're allowed to really stretch out and be charismatic and engaging. Part of it might be the overexposure that we're having from having them have to fill five hours of main roster content a week, not to mention main event, NXT, NXT UK, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 205 Live. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to be able to let these people who are trained to be charismatic or the people who who get it, who, who can really break out and be superstars, you have to let them breathe enough and give them enough engaging storytelling uh, to, to make that connection with the audience and the people that we've seen become big stars in that time, almost despite it where Rollins for a long time was billed as being not the guy, but kind of a step or two below the guy. And unfortunately I feel that that has that, that stink has kind of hung around him yeah. where he's never allowed to be uh, interesting enough to, to stand out but he gets over on his charisma and his ability in the ring from on, on a week-to-week basis. He's literally having to get re-get over almost every week. But if they had at some point stepped back and let him be himself a little bit more, given him some long-term storytelling that made that tested that character of Seth Rollins, told us who he was. We complained about this. I used to complain about this a lot more, where Seth Rollins doesn't have a defined character. What does burn it down really mean does is he a pyromaniac is he someone who likes to uh, is he is an iconoclast like what is it about seth rollins that makes him burn it down or makes him an architect we know what beast slayer king slayer means but you know how does that define who he is he's someone who overcomes obstacles who is seth rollins we don't know they haven't given us the time they haven't given him the time to define that and that's keeping him from becoming a bigger star than what he is. They spend lots of time telling us how Roman Reigns is an underdog. He overcomes the obstacles. Uh, he's had so many things thrown at him, and he's overcome them all. But at the end of the and you know, we have we now have an extra added bonus of knowing he's a family man. His real name is Joe, all this other stuff. It's, it's created a better character for him. But he's still being saddled so much with this superhero thing that Vince wants to create with him that it, it muddles all that. So, yeah. so a long-winded answer to the question of uh, how do we get these superstars to the point of being a great draw? You got to kind of 
got to let off the reins a little bit more and have creative support them as opposed to have them scooting around in the ring while Icy Hot is burning their buttholes. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Speaking of which, I heard uh, this week that, or, or I think it was on a What Culture episode I heard, that they were not going to hire writers over at AEW. I think that's going to be interesting. They have almost no creative staff in New Japan. It's basically one guy discussing with the talent how they want to, you know, hey, we, we want to go in this direction. We want this person to win. We want this person to have the belt. How do you guys want to get there? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have said how much better that creative freedom feels because they can then define who their character and who they are. And look at how successful they've been in New Japan at creating fascinating characters. Who, yep. you know, and, and, and sometimes they grow and evolve and sometimes they don't. I don't think Tomohiro Ishii has changed who he is in 10, 12 years, but he doesn't need to. He's the stone pit bull. One for I mean, one. Perfect example. Finn Balor, Prince Devitt, the rise of Bullet Club, just letting that evolve over the years. Yeah. Uh, Finn Balor going through the life at the dojo. All of that stuff. Bullet Club could never have years, happened in right? WWE. And Bullet Club was definitely a rip on NWO. Yeah. Sure. But his particular spin and take on it, and that could never have evolved in WWE. Yeah. Great question, Kane. Uh, thank you for that. Trevor, next up. I'm loving the Firefly Funhouse for the most part. Me too. It's intriguing to not know what to expect out of the segments. Do you see this show as a launching pad to singles matches, and if so, against who? Or is that him leading a group of others, a la the old Wyatt family gimmick, or possibly a live talk show on Raw? Uh, I don't want to see Bray in a, in a faction anymore. I don't want him to have another Wyatt family thing. I think he's got to succeed on his own as a singles wrestler. Um, as far as a launching pad to singles matches, Nick, we've talked about this on the show. It, I don't know if about a launching pad. It's definitely they're resetting the character. It's just a matter of if it translates to singles matches, and how? Uh, and that's a well, big question. Well, you've said it before. He's got to win. He's, well, that's the big one. But it's also yeah. how do the matches actually work? How does this character work as a wrestler? There's a lot that's still very up in the air. And yeah, these segments are great. But at a certain point, it's, it's time to fish or cut bait. Like We've got to know how, does, how this actually works as a sports. And beyond the entertainment part of sports entertainment, how does this work in the sports part of it? How does yeah. it work in the ring? So um, as far as a live talk show, I could see other people being in this coming into this world. I don't know if he's going to be able to have this world just suddenly be in the ring or how that'll work. Or if that's if that juxtaposition is going to even work. I don't know. It might, it might be strange. I, I still am very worried about Bray Wyatt, but I love the, I love these segments. They're they're fascinating to me and they're very creative. But I, I, I use the comparison to Woken Matt Hardy, right? They were able to translate that into matches. How are we going to translate this into matches? Yeah, good point. Thank you, Trevor, for the question. Andy, next up, is it too late for WWE? Jesus. They can't change course overnight. It will take at least six months. Given how stubborn and reactionary Vince can be, he probably won't make any, if he does at all, changes until after AEW starts their weekly programming. Interesting observation. Either that or will it fall in Triple H on Triple H to rectify things once Vince leaves? I think, I think that's the hope. Yeah, that's the that's the general consensus of people like hoping for Papa Papa trips to come in and save everybody, but we've seen also seen him have some 
foibles in how he tends to handle things as well. So it's it's not going to be a, a be all end all fix everything uh, to have Triple H take over the reins if he ever does. Vince has said he wanted he Vince has said he wants to die in the chair. He literally wants to die in gorilla position while the show is on. So keep that in mind. He's not going to leave. If by leave you mean die, then yes, at some point Vince McMahon will pass on to the nether realm. And uh, and what happens to WWE after that is anyone's guess. Um, I'm not convinced it won't be Shane over Triple H at this point. Well, Shane was given a shot. I don't know if I don't know if he's going to get it. Triple H is doing a lot more stuff as far as booking. But but to given to, to to Andy's point, given how stubborn and reactionary Vince is, I think is what he said. Um, no, Vince Vince is absolutely reactionary and not necessarily for the best. The wild card rule is absolutely a reactionary move a panicky reactionary move and it's you know sometimes vince makes the right move when he when he hot shots sometimes he doesn't um people a lot of people are crossing have their fingers crossed that aew isn't just quote unquote a t-shirt company and actually does put up some serious competition to vince mcmahon it's certainly the most legitimate competition since tna was at its height yeah uh, and even then, TNA wasn't anywhere near as much competition as WCW back in the day. So Not until, uh, who was it that came in and took over after the Jarrett's? Oh, uh, uh, d- d- uh, Frank, uh, Frank DeMoy or something like that. Oh, I can't I remember. Meant, I think Dixie Carter. But, uh, but no, the, 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 no, the point is, is that people want Vince to have a fire lit under his ass. And for whatever reason, the, the ratings are not lighting the right kind of fire. And... I, no one, and it's probably because he just got a $2 billion telling him that whatever you're doing is right. And the ratings are fine, but I'm still getting paid $2 billion for this. But at the certain point, you know, the, the, those deals aren't going to come. Yeah. Like the next time we renegotiate, if their ratings are like this or worse, he ain't going to get $2 billion more dollars. Or so, worse, Fox will cancel it. Right. Or kick it over to FS1. So Deportes. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, Raul, Raul Mendoza in the main event. Right. Um, but no, so yeah, it's, it, 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 it's going to be something big is going to have to happen to really kick Vince in the butt. Because right now, you know, ratings aside, he thinks he's in the right. And we can tell that by how he's acting, not, not, not by anything that we're hearing. We can just look and see that. Yeah. Great question, Andy. Thank you for that one. Next up, Chris, where are all the SmackDown tag teams with Brian and or why Brian and Rowan? I agree with Nick's view of not combining singles wrestlers for tag teams. Thank you, Chris. God damn it. Finally. I see. I knew the listeners were with me. All right? Especially when there are teams in the back that don't get TV time. Heavy <laughs> machinery. Then put them they over the TV Usos. TV time the first this week. Where are they? You mean the Colognes? Ten seconds. Ten anyway. seconds back. Anyway. Then put them over the Usos on the first night. You could have brought a team from uh from from raw to win or you're just not traded all the teams to raw you mean <laughs> right exactly not gut the entire tag division on smackdown over to raw okay well, well, we, we need we need to we need to boost uh we need to save the raw tag division so we're just going to empty out the coffers well we, we uh, discussed SmackDown why Live. this was the case during the smackdown segment was you know why brian and rowan they needed to create something exciting in the tag team division there wasn't anything for brian and the singles so from that sense it kind of made sense um, putting having the Usos put them over gives them the legitimate look of a threat, and the Usos are going off to Raw, so that doesn't have to pay off later at all. They can just have a one-off where they they put them over and they make them look like a big deal. 
Uh, they do that all the time when people are leaving the brand. Uh, very recently, we saw Finn put over Andrade when we thought Andrade was going to Raw. Obviously, that thing's plans changed. But um, yeah, I, again, I, you know, obviously, if you're going to agree with Nick on this, then you're going to agree <laughs> with Nick on this. I, I, think it, I think this makes all the sense in the world. Uh, but that being said, the one thing that, that Chris is right about here is they're really, it's, it's kind of a wasteland. Heavy machinery, not much else. They, they need to have somebody else some other tag team on SmackDown, and I worry that they're going to put like, oh, it's a mismatch. It's Ali and Andrade in a tag team. They've got their issues, but they're going to try to work them out. You know, yeah. like they're going to manufacture another tag team, and that's where I'm going to agree with Chris and Nick uh, and say that those <laughs> most of the time, singles wrestlers don't make them a tag team. It just means you don't know what to do with them as singles wrestlers. Uh, Rusev and Nakamura. Yeah, All right. but exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. Rusev and Nakamura didn't know what to do with singles wrestlers. Oh, they're a tag team. Rowan and Rowan and Brian makes sense, at least to me. It does. So before we get to this last one, uh, there was one more that came in that I want to squeeze in from Nick Yates. Oh, we're already running late, Nick. I know. We're running long here, guys, but these are great freaking questions. Thank you so much. This is one of the reasons why we put the poll up in the Facebook group to eventually transition this to kind of an after-party segment. But Nick Yates asked, and I think it's relevant based on some of the things we saw this week on Twitter, what do you think is the best case for John Moxley, the best case scenario or the I, best? I'm assuming like, best argument? case scenario. Best case scenario. I, I, I don't. I don't know because I don't know. I, I think AEW needs another huge star. I really do. I don't know if John Moxley should be that star. Uh, that being said, it certainly would be an enormous finger poke in the eye for that to happen. But I want to say one of the reasons why they let him exit so relatively elegantly was because he maybe made a handshake agreement to not go to AEW. I think he just wants to go have fun again. And so to, to, it's kind of a difficult question to answer because there's what I want to see, which is him going and having crazy death matches uh, over in AEW but, uh, or, or in CZW or MLW or wherever, I want to see him go to New Japan and have a match with Okada. But at the same time, it's all just going to be about whatever. I, at the end of the day, what do I really want? I want him to be happy. Yeah. you know. And that's pretty much what they're saying was the issue, was the WWE is making him miserable. So at the end of the day, what do I want from John Moxley? I want him to be happy. Because if he's happy, he's going to put on good matches. And if he puts on good matches, we're all going to be entertained. And that's going to make everything better when it comes to professional wrestling. You and I have been talking for a long time. We want old CZW Dean back uh, doing those that crazy stuff. And oh, dude. I don't, I don't know. If I, 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 I'm don't gonna, know, I don't know if I can see him take a jigsaw to the forehead any, anymore. Like <laughs> I don't know. He just posted a picture with barbed wire through his hands, and and it got me excited. So uh, I'll throw this other one back in here. Is there any potential that this is a work, and he's just getting repackaged and be out for six months and come back as this new character? Yes. I think that's the most likely of the scenarios, in my opinion. There's, it, it makes no sense how they let him go so elegantly. They've right. never done that. They've and that's never the done only that. way that makes sense. Or Vince really, really loves him, and he gave him a handshake agreement not to go to a rival company or something. I don't know. That The whole thing is bizarre. Yeah. Thank you for that question, Nick. Last but certainly not least, not even a question. Uh, wanted to save this one for last. Thank you for this one. With all of this wild card madness this week, I am speechless and have no question. Just want to say keep up the great work, and I always look forward to the show each week. Aww. Thank you very much, Jacob. Jake, oh, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. 
I don't, oh, I, every, every once one. in a while, I will take a comment in the listener question section, especially if yes. it's a nice. I, I uh, completely understand and sympathize with you being speechless over the wild card madness this week, <laughs> for sure. Everybody, thank you I very much. I for can't even me. ask a question. I just yeah. good, good job, guys. And what the hell is this crap? I'm like, all you're, right, yeah, fair enough. You're you're brilliant, Jacob. You're brilliant. Uh, thank you very much, patrons, for your questions every single week. Guys, if you would like to get in on some of that action, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 tier or higher, and you can get your questions answered right here on the show every single week. Ian, we're not done yet, though. We got, well, God, we're already over time, so we got time for another news oh, lightning round. You're going to make me run through it today, aren't you? Okay, all right. All right, news and notes. As I mentioned earlier, Lars Sullivan's past post, which we past post to Sasha Banks, which I've mentioned before on the show, they're finally coming back to start to haunt him. Not only have people started, more and more people started to realize what Lars's past has entailed with some absolutely horrible posts on a uh, bodybuilding website. Um, uh, but uh, not, not only that, but people are asking other people who are members of the roster what they think. Uh, in particular, Kalisto and Big E have both tweeted about it. Kalisto said he better stay the hell out of my way. I'm Latino. And with a fist <laughs> next to it, uh, Big E said, uh, people said, are you aware of the kind of scumbag you're working with? And Biggie replied, many are aware. If true, he has to bear the albatross of being a bigot and working in a company that is now filled with minorities. Uh, Biggie is noted as being a guy who's very outspoken. As we know, he had a talk with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Uh, So he is the kind of guy who will, you know, outspokenly get up in this stuff and try to shut it down. And props to Biggie for that. Um, he's also much, not small. Very much in the Mark Henry mold. No, he's not. But then again, neither is Lars Sullivan. Right. Um, so, yeah. In, in case you haven't heard, like there, I posted in our Facebook discussion group uh, an article that kind of details it all. I, I want to, you know, the fact that he was, uh, he was saying that a, a racist band was great and even knew like one of the songs by them. Um, there was one post in particular, which just jumped out as as being just patently awful. And pardon me, I'm going to quote here and it's going to suck. Quote, blacks have always been the race which robbed the most. It's always been the stereotype. The main Mexican stereotype is that they're wetbacks and poor. So whether this is just really, really, really awful, unfunny trolling or whether Lars Sullivan really does feel this way, either way, wildly inappropriate, obviously, uh, there is room for redemption, but not when you don't, uh, he has not acknowledged this at all in public. There's no apology coming. Um, the fact that WWE is pushing him at all. He's a, he, he, he also specifically targeted, uh, guys like our truth, who he's been beating up for the last couple of weeks and him, our truth and Matt Hardy had a segment where they were both beaten up by Lars Sullivan on SmackDown this week. Um, so he's, he's going to a program. It looks like with, with our truth. He once said, our truth looks like a, a guy from a black prison gang. um, so it's, I don't know what WWE is thinking with this guy. I think for damage control, he has to come out and do some sort of apology at the very, very least. Uh, but I know for some people, there will be no forgiveness for this kind of thing. So right. uh, we will see what happens in the Lars Sullivan. They barely did for Hulk Hogan and he's Hulk Hogan. Uh, Keep that lot, in mind. A lot guys. of people still don't, don't, 
don't right. uh, haven't forgiven him. And in addition to all of that, you know, there's there's rumors going around right now that WWE might even do like a racist gimmick for Lars Sullivan going forward, which if they saw what happened when they tried for a brief hot second to put it on Dijak and NXT is going to go over like a wet fart in church. So hopefully they don't do that. Um, moving on from that crap. David Starr, David Starr, if you didn't watch Progress Super Strong Style 16, I'm sorry I just spoiled it for you. David Starr defeated Jordan Devlin in the finals of the Progress Super Strong Style 16. David Starr is on a roll. This is actually impressive because a lot of people were complaining about how many WWE stars, whether NXT UK or NXT, were in Progress as Super Strong Style. So the fact that an indie guy beat a WWE guy in the finals is saying something. I think it's Progress trying to get a little cred back. So, yeah. well, well done. And David Starr is on a frickin' roll right now. He also just had his match in Israel against um, uh, Jay Lethal. So, he is on a roll. Uh, Angelico and Jack Evans are going to be a tag team. And also, referee Rick Knox, our boy, our boy from PWG and Lucha Underground, Rick Knox, local LA referee Rick Knox, legend Rick Knox, and Jerry Lynn uh, are all going to AEW. They're all going to AEW. That's official as of this week. Jerry Lynn's going to be a coach, uh, backstage presence. If you don't know who Jerry Lynn is, I pity you, son and or daughter. Uh, he, if you want to check out some of his stuff, go back and look at his ECW matches with Rob Van Dam. They are what I used to show people when I people would ask, why do you like wrestling? Check out this match, Jerry Lynn versus RVD. Some of the most insane matches from the 90s. Absolutely great stuff. Uh, so all of those guys are going to AEW. Fantastic. Rick Knox in an AEW ring. I'm all about it. And Angelico yes. and Jack Evans will make a great tag team, especially given the tag team roster that's currently over at AEW. There's a lot of high flyers and good workers, so good stuff. Uh, I just mentioned Dijak, Donovan Dijakovic, whatever they want to call him. Dijak! He is, he is out for approximately four to six weeks. He tore his meniscus, just like Big E just did. Tore his meniscus. He's out for four to six weeks, which sucks because it means they're going to put the kibosh on his feud he was having with Velveteen Dream. So Velveteen Dream's going to have to pivot and face somebody else. And Dijak says he's glad for the injury. It just means he gets to get more impurities out of his body and come back even stronger. So Did, he get to, did they get to tape that Keith Lee match? Not yet. We're still looking forward to Keith Lee, Dijak. Both of those guys have been injured. Damn it. Yep. Uh, WWE did not allow Tony Storm to face Bea Priestley in stardom. They were having a, a tournament over there, and they did not want Tony Storm facing Bea Priestley in the finals, largely because there's no way Tony Storm was winning that, as she's in, you know mostly in her contract for WWE, and she's the NXT UK Women's Champ. And they were thought they were going to have to have Bea Priestley, who's an AEW wrestler, beat her. They did not want to have that, so they did not allow Tony Storm to face Bea Priestley and possibly get beaten. Uh, we did mention Jeff Hardy underwent that knee surgery on his right knee. He says he'll be out for six to nine months. Damn. Um, also, Ross and Marshall Von Erich, sons of Kevin Von Erich. Go check out uh, Dark Side of the Mat uh, the, on, the, on Vice. Man, the Von Erich show was intense. But the sons of one of the Von Erichs have just gone to MLW. Apparently, WWE offered them uh, a pretty good amount of money. But uh, they did not want to go. They went strictly for an MLW. They're both young. Uh, one of them is, I think, 28. One of them is 30. Uh, 30 and 26. Excuse me. Ross is 30. Marshall is 26. So they've been. They've wrestled before. They were. Uh, they were. They did TNA Slammiversary. They were in Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, so they've been around. 
But having them in MLW is good. I think MLW is one of the big upcoming promotions. So be curious to see what they get up to there. Apparently, they're quite talented. Rhino has turned down renewing his WWE contract. He was offered double his current downside, and he turned it down. And he is going to be out July 17th. He has no no-compete clause, so he will be a free agent going doing whatever he wants after July 17th. Rhino's going back to the indies to do whatever the hell he wants. So I'm curious to see what Rhino gets up to after July 17th. And I'm he, not even comfortable saying he's going to AEW yet. I'm not either. I, I don't know if they'd take him. They're almost full, yeah. and uh, he's more of a legacy talent. He might go there like as, a, as like Jerry Lynn or... Uh, Something like that. I can see him sneaking into uh, a one-off battle royale kind of thing, but that'd be about it. Yeah, or like Billy Gunn, you know, where he still performs from time to time, but he's mostly uh, behind the scenes. Right. Uh, Speaking of behind the scenes, on Twitter, Lashley, Bobby Lashley, and Bill Goldberg have been uh, exchanging words, and as we all know, in the modern era of professional wrestling, that means they're going to have a match. Well, the only match we know of that's coming up for Goldberg is in Saudi Arabia. I think we all know what this means. Looks like we're heading towards a Lashley and Goldberg match in Saudi Arabia. Are you not entertained? Who's excited for this? No? Okay. Moving on. Ryan Callahan, who is the lead home writer of WWE, meaning he stayed in Stanford, Connecticut, was fired this week. Uh, he got into a dispute with Dave Kapoor, who's one of the senior writers for WWE. We don't know what the dispute was, but... We do know that WWE has just lost one of its lead writers. Of course, they have a whole league of them, so we don't really know what effect this will have, if any, on the writing of WWE. Uh, MLW, I just meant talked about them. They had they had a awesome match this week at their fusion event uh, between LA Park and Pentagon Junior. I recommend checking that oh. out. Trying to try to find that online. uh, L.A. Park and Pentagon Jr. Absolutely insane match. For for L.A. Park's age, he can do things that he should not physically be able to. Age and size, by the way. He should not be able to do the things he does. This match was badass. Badass. Go check it out. I can't wait to see that. And finally, ESPN and Fox will be splitting the viewing rights to the XFL. Uh, This was just reported this week how this was going to break down. So there's going to be playoff games. There's going to be games on ABC, Fox, ESPN, ESPN2, and FS1. They'll be airing Saturdays and Sundays. This is all starting February 8th in 2020, and the championship game will be Sunday, April 26th. And you can expect the XFL to fold again on April 27th. That is your news. (laughs) That is your news for this week, Nick. Oh, good stuff. Well, guys, we went way over today. Uh, Had a bit of a wild card show, you could say. (laughs) Nobody? Nothing? No, no, I'm not giving it to you. Guys, come on over and join us in the Busted Wide Open Facebook discussion group. It is the hub of all things, and be sure you're in there so that you can join us for the live chat and pre-show watch party on Facebook coming up at Money in the Bank here in a couple of weeks, a week from Sunday, actually. Uh, you'll definitely want to be in there. Follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And as always, if you love this show and want to help us support us, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers and get in on some listener questions, copies of the show notes, bonus episodes, and more. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. Bye-bye. Somebody stop the damn man!
This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.